You have to sing it. Yeah, I, I think you need to sing it. Do I have to sing every yes. single one? Yes. I think you okay. should. I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, I'm a child, I'm Smegma, I'm Xena Warrior Princess, I'm being fat and stupid, I'm running naked through them all, pissing and shitting everywhere. You wouldn't want me any other way. Allen record. That's the win, that's the win. Oh my god, that's so everyone to the socks cast episode six the only podcast you can listen to and when if you were paying attention during last week's episode then you will know the secret word that you need to at ret on twitter with so that he can send you a copy of every game on your steam wish list i'm polly i'm really stupid and i had no introduction prepared for myself this week and to my immediate virtual right he is but one of your 10 desires it's Rhett. Hey. How you doing? Doing good. Were you right about the Toho introduction that I was going to use for you? Nope. I thought it was going to be one of the Phantasmagoria games, because it's Halloween. Oh, damn. Now people know that we don't record these on Sunday. Oh, wow. The illusion <laughs> is broken. So, Rhett, got a question. Sure. How big's your dick? <laughs> And to your virtual left. And to my immediate virtual left. He canceled a snuggle session with his Bill Riser body pillow just to be here. It's John Thayer. Hi, I'm John Thayer. How's I it going? I make video games. <laughs> How's it going, John? <laughs> it's going great. I just finished a game where you have to file your taxes married filing jointly for the first time. Ah, that's good. That's good. And, um, John, uh, I got a question for you as well. How big do you think Rhett's dick is? Too big to render in voxel space. <laughs> <laughs> because and... that's how I program all my games that I make. <laughs> and we have a very special guest on the hamper seat this week. She wishes her dick was as big as the Eiffel Tower so she could fuck the world for 72 hours. It's the lovely, the amazing, the Twitter queen herself, Raquel. Have you been reading my diary? How'd you know that? Oh, just know a thing or two, I guess. How are you doing on this fine, we're slapping this episode together podcast? I am lovely. How are you? I am um, ill-prepared, I think, would be the <laughs> word I would use. Um, and I have Rhett's dick on my brain for some reason. I don't know why. Who doesn't? Who doesn't, right? So, Raquel, for everybody that's listening... Why don't you tell us how big you think Rhett's dick is? Mm. Is it bigger than a bread box? Definitely bigger than a bread box. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, everyone knows I have a massive crush on Link. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to assume he's bigger than Link. Wow. Yeah. Rhett, you're doing really good. <laughs> you're making out pretty damn good uh, on this uh, dick survey. And uh, I'm going to say, I, I think you're pretty big. That's, that's my guess. I think, you know, just the right size. Gonna, it's going to hit those walls just right. It's going to fit in nice and smooth. And Oh, wow. Where are we going with this 
It, is this Foxcast After Hours? <laughs> totally. <laughs> Uh, so, um, Miss Roccolini Ray, why don't you tell us who the hell you are and what it is that you do? I think your lovely view- listeners, not viewers, know me as the Intermission Fairy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. What else do you do? Nothing. You don't do anything else? I tweet about sexual harassment from time to time. Uh, do you play video games at all? I do play video games. Really? Could you regale us with a tale of your video game playage? I played Smash Bros. for the 3DS. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that was very rude of me <laughs> to act like your opinion on a game didn't matter. But um, So, uh, how's the Smash Bros. treating you? It's Smash Bros. There's really not much to say about it. Play as Link. Punch the... Wait, you wait. Know, I'm, Peach. No, I'm not familiar with Smash Bros. Um, is that... Like a frat party mini game simulator. Do you, do you play beer pong in this? <laughs> yep. You so get drunk. Are you playing online against anybody, or are you just like winging it uh, single player? What are you doing with it? Yeah, I've just been doing the single player, Please. just getting like weird achievements. And they have some weird achievements. Like what? Like get a final smash as as Pac Man. That sounds like actual like. Uh, we're too lazy to make achievements achievements because who couldn't get a final smash as it's just like <clears throat> I think Dead Space gives you a fucking achievement for pressing start. Yeah. So, um Little Mac. That's the only character I think that looks <laughs> worth a damn. Uh, Little Mac is really fun to play as actually. Looks really cool. He's really strong. He moves super fast on land, but he's really slow in air. Uh, well that makes sense. He is a boxer. But um he does a cool thing where if he takes enough damage, he can, like, he gets stronger. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, the Pokemon, for me, Pokemon characters are not fun to play as. Why is that? I, for me, they move too slow. I prefer speed. Yeah. <clears throat> Usually characters. in any in any fighting game, even though... You prefer speed. Even though Smash Brothers isn't a fighting game, it's a party game. <laughs> um, I prefer, like, I, I, I always like speed, so... Sheik's really fast. I like Sheik. Sheik's pretty She's awesome. She's super fast. Sheik's awesome. Uh, Zelda's super slow in comparison. Is she kind of floaty like Peach? A little, but she can summon, like, phantoms. What do you think Princess Peach thinks of Rhett's dick? She'd probably suck it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and both the links are fun to play as, and they have... Nice little differences. Oh, I was wondering about that, if um, Toon Link and Normal Link had any kind of discernible differences, or if it was just um, a skin. No, they have the same moves, mm-hmm. but with Link, it's his Gale Boomerang, so oh. it actually has a little tornado, and it can pick up enemies. Mm-hmm. Can it pick and up items for you? I don't think it can. I haven't noticed it. That'd be it pretty rad if it could, like, pick up the Smash Ball. And, um... With Toon Link, his bombs, when they go off, they have the little, like, smoke swirls from Wind Waker. Mm. Which is just a cute little thing, I think. Mm. <laughs> she, she picks her characters based on... Based solely... Based on the cuteness. On the cuteness of their aesthetics. It's like, yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. Well, it's just a nice little touch, I think. It would be cool, like... um I don't know if it does this or not because I don't play baby games, 
But um, it would be cool if um, if Wind Waker Link, like when he hit you, like it did the little like uh, musical notes that like ascend as you get more hits. Oh, yeah. with the different chord changes. Yeah, that would be really cool. I just imagine that being really annoying real fast. It would, it would be annoying, but I would think that it would be cute enough of an aesthetic to con- still consider it a baby's game that only babies play. <laughs> but um, Like Virtual Fighter Kids. Yeah, like Virtual Fighter Kids. Oh my There's God, also that was a, thing. a speed difference <laughs> with the links. Oh, I see. Toon Link moves faster, but yeah. I think Adult Link is stronger. Hmm. That might be a difference. I haven't really noticed. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're right. So you're in- and the new characters like uh, Pac-Man's actually surprisingly fun to play as. That's like I was, I was wondering like how they would work him into um, a not really fighting game concept. Yeah, I still feel like he was a weird choice to put in compared think- to like Lucas from Mother Three or something. But he was fun to play as. I think Namco helped co-develop the game, so they probably got to put him in. They should have yeah. went. They should have went with Cosmos. <laughs> and only I care. They should have oh, gone I, with Klonoa. Klonoa would have worked here. Like, like, Klonoa would have worked because he's got that cute um, Nintendo aesthetic. Yeah, there was a and remake. Was on, on Sony consoles. Yeah, and there was a remake on the Wii. Um, oh, okay. But it wasn't very good. I played yeah, it. Yeah, I can okay. see that happening. I didn't like it very much. I just found it really boring and repetitive to a degree that, like, when a game oh, is Oh, is that, that the one where um, they screwed his design up and everybody whined about it on the internet? What doesn't the internet whine about? <laughs> yeah. This remake of a game is not pixel exact. Fuck you. More like, don't, eh? <laughs> wow. Oh, God. That whole thing. Still a Devil May Cry game. Get over it. Babies. I'm just going to antagonize every sector of our audience tonight. <laughs> That's the kind of mood I'm in. I'm feeling spicy. Like So, <laughs> yeah, you are feeling spicy tonight. Something's off. <laughs> so, Raquel, There's no you... wine in her system yet. <laughs> no, there's plenty of wine in my system, <laughs> yeah. actually. That's the thing. <laughs> so, Raquel, did you see that 50 Things About Smash Wii U video? I didn't. Oh. Because maybe the internet should stop overanalyzing bullshit things. Why do you think it was bullshit? I don't know. I didn't, like I said, I didn't look at it because it doesn't matter to me. I don't even have a Wii U right now, so it doesn't really concern me. That video drove me nuts that I'm not a fan of this series. Why is that? Like, give us a a bit of a rundown. Like, what is this? Because I don't even know what you're talking about at this point. So... 3DS version came out, like, end of September. Mm-hmm. That's the one they've been talking about for a while because it came out first. So Nintendo puts out this video called 50 Things, like, that are in the Smash Wii U that aren't in the 3DS one. And it's just this massive list of, like, features and items and characters that are not in the 3DS one. And it's just, like, this game is so completely packed with stuff. It just makes me mad I'm not a fan of the series because it's, like... 1,000% fan service. It's not like that. It was like, oh, here are a bunch of things that aren't in Smash 3DS, and here's why we're pissed about it, was it? No, no, this was put out by Nintendo. It like oh! A, a so oh, so it's just like, hey, here's why you should get this, because it doesn't, because 3DS doesn't have this. Yeah. Because uh, the 3DS version of that game, I mean, 
baby game and all, it's still got a lot of shit in it. I mean, for it, the it, 3DS a, hardware, yeah, it's, it's a amazing. Yeah, that's the thing. They're different systems, so of course, the Wii U can support what the 3DS can't. Well, and uh, it needs to be a different game, too. I mean, you can't be selling, like, the same game. Yeah, uh, you do. They do, they're still a business. They do need to give you incentive to get this. Yeah, I'm, so this I'm looking was, it up on YouTube now. Good job, John. <laughs> it's, like, 40 minutes long, just, like, here is stuff that's not in the 3DS one. It's, like... They got the voice actors from Kid Icarus Uprising back to do, like, codec conversations when Kid Icarus or Palatina fight people. They got the voice actors from Star Fox back to do conversations when Fox fights somebody. Like, there's eight Did they get the voice now. actors from Zelda? Like, a boss from Xenoblade shows up in one stage, Ridley shows up in another stage, and he can fight with you. Like, There's just so much stuff in this game. And then they're like, the soundtrack of this game is three times more as many songs as the 3DS one. Holy it does crap. have a really good soundtrack, though. Yeah. And then there's like, there's a new final boss, and then here's a new stage based on the Great Cave Offensive. Wow. They're it's really like, going all out. It, it was the most, like, going all out video I've seen and it's like this is for a game that's already out technically wow it's like the special edition version of the 3DS one that's crazy more or but less just, that's what it sounds like I mean 8 player mode certainly <laughs> looks like something isn't that only in uh, certain stages though yeah because they have to make bigger stages yeah because it would just be total nonsense otherwise it's chaotic it's like how would you have eight characters on screen and it not be total nonsense anyway yeah because the game on wii u is going to be 1080p 60 frames i still think that it's crazy and awesome that they're doing that but 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 at the same time i don't think i don't know how you have any kind of intelligible fight it's a party game with it yeah it is it's a party game It's not a fighting game. The eight-player stages look like they're zoomed out a lot more, like, permanently. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Oh, and there's, like, there's one stage where you fight in the foreground and the background. And, like, there's Donkey Kong barrels that shoot you between them. That's really cool. Like, they're just stick... Yeah, everything is, like, oh, that's really cool. Like, so overloaded with stuff, this game. And it's just, like, I really want to be a fan of this. I just don't like the way Smash plays. Yeah. That's pretty fair. And, like, every mode in the Wii U version supports two players. But then if you have one of those dumb figurines, you'll be able to play with your friend partner. You know, the Amiibos. Oh, the Amiibo? Yeah. So you can take your Amiibo through, like, all of the, all of the single-player content. Oh, and level it up like a Skylander? Yeah. Huh. I, I I can't say I really get the point of Amiibos myself. Yeah. I mean, I get what they're going for, but it just kind of seems like an extraneous thing that they're doing. That yeah, I feel yeah. like I'd get the figures just to have them. Yeah, they yeah. like but right. never use them for the games themselves. Didn't you pre-order a, a Samus threat? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get a Samus. The Samus one is pretty rad looking. Yeah, yeah. The final molds of those. There's pictures of what they actually look like, and they're not as good as the demo. Imagine that. Yeah. Surprise, surprise, yeah. But Samus still looks pretty good. Zero Suit Samus is actually really fun to play as, too. Mm. I think it's hilarious that there's two representative characters from Metroid, and they're both Samus. (laughs) Well, who else are you going to... Oh, no, let's bring in Anthony. 
<laughs> Anthony would be a great player character. Nobody even knows who Anthony is. I do. Remember me? I uh, oh, God. <laughs> Any oh. objections, m'lady? M'lady. <laughs> so, wow, we just had, like, a decently sized conversation about Smash Brothers, and I feel dirty. You should just beep that whole <laughs> section of the podcast out, Rhett. I'm sorry. <laughs> I tainted this is podcast. It's over. Why did we have you here? This podcast <laughs> is under a taint. Oh, oh, gross. John. John, Jesus. What? John's always got to take this podcast to places that it doesn't need to go. Save us, Raquel. I've also been playing Bravely Default. Oh, this is the new Squaresoft joint that was released well, quite a while back, so I guess it wouldn't count as new. But um, this is it's a still bit- a 2014 game. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit a bit of a new territory for you, seeing as how you're not big into JRPGs much. So how are you enjoying it? I'm really loving it. It's really fun, and I think my favorite thing about it is the way the characters interact in like small cutscenes, uh-huh. because they all just have these really little differences. Like Ringo Bell's a giant man whore. <laughs> he, <laughs> the best way to describe him, I think, is Johnny Bravo. Mm? Oh, great. But he stands a chance. Oh, poor Johnny Bravo. (laughs) Um, but, like, there's one part where he puts a character in danger, Uh and then he's, and everyone's like, no, he's the one that wanted to save you the most. Like, he was the one that worried you the most. Aww. And they, uh, pick up on little things like, oh, Ringabel, we know, not Ringabel, um, Tiz, we noticed you haven't been sleeping well, and why is this... And just the way they interact with each other, like, you get the feeling that as much as they are a team, they're friends, they're a family. Oh, that's really cool. It's hard to, like, get, um, like, to, like, wring really good writing out of a script a lot of the time in JRPGs because it's usually overly melodramatic and, um, you know, you start getting into Final Fantasy levels of just over-expressing, and it sounds like the uh, Bravely Default script is kind of more focused on some subtlety. Yeah, it's more on the subtleties, because, you know, clearly you're not going to see them, like, trying to sleep, or what they, you know, they they just hint at, oh, Ringabelle went out with this girl. Aww. Or, you know, Adia did this or that. Like, they just hint at it, they just kind of remark on it, and you're not seeing it. But they do mention it, and they do talk about it. That's really cool. So, so than, none of the none of the sepia tone flashbacks with overly sad no. music. <laughs> so how are you feeling about uh, the gameplay itself? It's really good. It's an interesting gameplay because you can clearly its main draw is you can brave or you default, and so the default is more you take like a defensive stance, and so you'll still take damage, but it's not as much. Or you can brave, which you can brave up to four times. So, then so you, you can just like whip out eighty million attacks at once. You can essentially uh, attack if you have a, a a bravely second point. You can essentially attack twenty times in one turn. Wow! Jeez! Yeah, <laughs> it's really crazy. So, so does it sort of like have the same kind of, I guess? linearity of a normal RPG where it's just like, go here, then go here, then you're in this town, and then go here in this dungeon, and all of that stuff? Yeah. 
And it has sub-quests where you can get another job. Which is one of the main draws. Like, you can be a summoner or a black mage, white mage, whatever. And there's so many jobs. I'm in the third chapter right now. And I still have a bunch of jobs to get. That's really cool. Do Um, Do you unlock other jobs by leveling certain jobs? You unlock abilities by leveling up jobs. Oh. So it's like you get to, you know, this level and you can do all these spells. Or you can do this attack or you have this support ability. Cool. And the support abilities you can, you know, that's extra defense or, you know, you're stronger. And so once and you, you can customize those, it in so many ways. So you, can you mix and match once you unlock those abilities? Is it kind of broken like Final Fantasy V in that regard? You can, you can mix and match it com- depending on what level it, of job your character is at. So, so if, if they're, like, within a certain range, they can use something from their other job, or... Yeah, so abilities I have for Adia, I may not have for Tiz. Okay. And it really just depends on how I've leveled them. Okay, I see. The game also has a really cool feature that I, I was really super happy to hear about, and that you can just turn off random encounters entirely. Yeah. That's, that's actually really useful. That That's gotta be one of the smartest... Um, ideas, because good lord, do random encounters in games like that just they feel so damn pointless these days. Antiquated. Yeah, it's it's, definitely really useful. Like, if you just want to get through a dungeon, you can turn off encounters. And just do your grinding later to make up. Yeah, or if you want to, like, level grind, you can turn up the encounters. You can change the difficulty at any time, which is really useful. That's really cool. Um, Sounds like an RPG, a JRPG made with a lot of conveniences and a lot of concessions to the fact that, yeah, uh, this genre is kind of stale and boring, and we're not really fixing it, we're just kind of putting bandages over it so that it's yeah. a little more fun to play. But I mean, the story definitely sounds like it's uh, uh, more along the lines of something more enjoyable or maybe more comprehensible than, say, Final Fantasy thirteen. <laughs> I think it's a really good introduction JRPG game. You don't find many of those, because, like, for the longest time, I would always say that, you know, if I was going to introduce somebody to the genre, I would do it with Chrono Trigger, because that game is very simple, but it also, like, it teaches you subtly along the way of, like, you know, how to use certain weaknesses, or waiting for certain boss patterns to spring up, so it's it's a very light game, Uh, it's not super difficult, you know, it doesn't rev up to the point to where you need to grind anything by the end. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it would be unfair though to introduce somebody uh, to the genre with a game that gets rid of a lot of the the bullshit quirks that haven't really aged so well and then oh here's this the rest of this genre and yeah there's all this crap like random encounters and just like needless mechanics that like uh, cooking shows or fishing and stuff have fun. <laughs> Yeah, you had that problem uh, introducing Anna to other RPGs. Yes, I did. Anna, <laughs> to whom which I am getting married soon. Well, the game warrants it, so if you do turn off enemy encounters, it's like, okay, you can do this, but it will be harder for you to get experience. It'll be harder for you to do this or that. 
Or, like, the boss at the end of this dungeon might just beat your ass because you're not leveled enough. So, you can do it, but the game will be like, okay, but take it with a grain of salt. That's pretty cool. And, um, like I said, you can have a job, and then you can have, like, a support thing. So... There's a lot of customization that can go There's a lot party. of customization, and it's really interesting. So, Adia's my black mage. Because mm-hmm. I... Just the way I like having her, but I can also do it so she can summon these giant monsters to do 500 damage. Sweet. You know, um, Tiz is my thief, but I can also, but I've done it so he, his other job to call it is, I think he's my pirate, also a pirate. Pirate is a job? What is <laughs> yeah, a pirate's what, a job. What abilities does a pirate have? Um, they can do double damage, but it costs, like, 62 magic points. I was thinking, like, if I was a pirate, you should get, you should get free music. <laughs> You're such a dork. I, I thought they should have scurvy. <laughs> <laughs> Decreased vision because they have an eye patch on. <laughs> they have rum. None of them look like Johnny Depp. They have really bad depth of field, so they don't know what row uh, enemies they're attacking. (laughs) (laughs) So, Bravely Default definitely sounds pretty rad. Um, Have you been getting into anything else, Raquel? I've played a bit of Another Perspective, Uh which is a puzzle platformer. And it's a really interesting game. I'm not really sure how I can explain it in a way that'll do it justice. But you're essentially in, like, a dream world. And you're trying to get keys to figure out this story. You don't know what you're looking for. You're just trying to get through each stage. So the game just kind of throws you in and says, you figure it out? It, it's pretty much you fig- you're figuring it out with your character. And you can go into other perspectives. So where you see a giant gap... You're, that other perspective might see just platforms you have to get up. So is this like a 3D game, or is it... No, it's it's a 2D platformer, but it's really interesting. So how does it handle different perspectives? Um, I mean, if it's a 2D platformer and I'm looking at it from the side... That's its main draw. It's like, you can use that per, that other perspective as like a platform. And you can jump on their head and jump to the next platform... And so it is a puzzle in which you have to figure out how to get from point A to point B. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I played that. I don't have much to say about it because I'm very early into it. I've also played The Room. That game is really, 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 really good. I'm really... I, I started playing it um, this morning before I had to go to work, and I ended up spending about two and a half hours on it, and I'm really loving um, the way puzzles in that game work. Yeah, I talked about it with you earlier, and I said it's a game that overthinking might be a bad thing. I found that... Okay, for, for those who don't know what The Room is, it's just uh, a game with a very minimalistic presentation uh, and story where you're given this gigantic puzzle box, and different parts of the puzzle box are different puzzles in and of themselves, which, you know, you may need to use items you get from one side of the box to unlock 
or finished another puzzles side. on another side of the box. And as you do this, like the box just keeps expanding and you op- opening it up more and more. Um, and it's all of these really simple, uh, and they're really easy to overthink, but it's also easy to underthink puzzles where, you know, you've got to just mess around with the mechanics and like, look at what's happening or like what this, this device is doing because the game doesn't really give you uh, much in the way of hints as to what you're trying to do, but it's just the way that these boxes are constructed, uh, and the way the 3D models look, it's just really interesting how it's all pieced together um, and, and how it makes sense. It's like I could look at this thing and think, you know, like with enough ingenuity, this is something that could exist in the real world. Hmm. It, it's definitely a thing where you have to play around yeah, the game, and just see what you can and can't do. Yeah, the game encourages you to just, you know, here's this box. Start playing around. See what you can figure out. And, and it's... You know, it's just always, like, little things. It's like, oh, I never noticed this little nook down here before by the leg. If I, like, tap on that and move up, you know, a little panel, it's like, oh, well, there's a key in there. Now I, you know, and it's easy to get caught into a little loop of, like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do now. Like, And you feel like you're stuck, but you go poking around the box some more, and you just start noticing little details that you somehow glossed over the first time. Like, yeah. Like, uh, on the second chapter there's this um <clears throat> there are these like they're corners but they're like they're top they're tipped with like golden thingy madooters like i'm really good at wording tonight as you can <laughs> tell but um if you look it's got little grooves on the side of it and it's something that you can twist up and if you like and it's like it, you don't really think about it until you start noticing it's like oh well none of the others looked like that yeah uh, <clears throat> And it's just, it's all in those little fine details and how they're so elaborately constructed. Um, I'm only, I'm only in chapter three right now and I think there are five. Um, but oh wow, that game's really just impressive. There's also the eyepiece. Yeah, the eyepiece. Which is one of the main things. The eyepiece is interesting because it lets you see certain things from a different perspective. Like there are certain puzzles where you can see inside the box. Um, and the only way, like, to, to, to complete the puzzle, like, say you have, say you have to recreate, um, this 2D object in 3D space, um, and you have to, like, line your perspective up with it just right and mess around with the parts while looking through, um, this little eyepiece, um, that, that, that helps give you that perspective because otherwise you can't see inside of the box of what that puzzle's wanting you to do. So it's 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 a really simple mechanic, and um, I haven't really been too stuck because like the game, is, all of the puzzles have a fairly linear progression. Like you're not going to be solving any one part of the box before you can solve the other. So in a way, it keeps you from being too overwhelmed with a lot of things to do. The pacing <clears throat> is really good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's. I'm really already uh, really impressed with that game and can't wait to get back to it. Yeah, I think I hit a point where I was like, okay, I think I'm overthinking it. Let me just look, see if I notice anything different. And then I did with one of the um, legs of the safe. Yeah. (laughs) And then I twisted it around and then I 
like everything just kind of clicks <laughs> at a point and you're figuring everything out. Yeah, you 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 know, you can get stuck for like maybe 5 or 10 minutes on like what the hell am I supposed to do? And then when you find that one thing you're supposed to do, you just go on this tear of like four or five mini puzzles like in a row and it just feels really good. It keeps you yeah. thinking. It keeps you thinking. It makes you overthink and underthink and it's it's just so well crafted and put together that I I'm just and uh I'm really enjoying it. And that thing's on sale for like a dollar twenty five right now on Steam. Yeah, that's why I got it because yeah. like it's super <laughs> cheap and it I've heard good things about it. Why not? And I love it. Uh, it's this, definitely worth getting. Yeah, it was a phone game that finally got ported to PC. I'm hoping they get the room too, um, as well. So, so when you say puzzles in that, like everything is unique. Yeah, everything is unique. Every puzzle, there like there are no two puzzles that I've solved as of yet that have the same solution. Like cool. they all involve tinkering around with the box, or like, or how the gears work, or. Or, or just the actual physical aspects of the box. Like, oh, well, there's, like, a hidden panel here. How the... Okay, okay. They'll have, like, similar mechanics. Yeah. But yeah. no two puzzles are the same. Yeah. It really looks like these kind of mechanical logic uh, puzzles, kind of like Mist, but, you know, put in an actual 3D environment and not, like, pre-rendered um, scenes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly... Uh, I'm looking it, it up on YouTube now. <laughs> That's John. He is You're our... You're so professional, John. Yes, he, he is. Got, somebody has to do the research. Somebody's got to do the research. He's always got Wikipedia open and ready for us when we need it. One other question. Is there, like, something that happens to signify chapters? Yeah. It'll like, pretty much tell you, like, chapter finished. Yeah, like, the, the moment you finished uh, with the box, it's like, yeah. yo, you finished this chapter, oh... And here's another box. Like, oh, okay, there was another box inside this other box. Shit. Uh, that's what I was wondering, if there was, like, a transition, like, new box. Yeah, yeah, there's Pretty transitions. Much. So anything else, Miss Raquel? No, that's it for me. John! Hi. How you doing, John? I'm doing good. Have still mad about Gone Girl. Still mad about Gone <laughs> <laughs> Uh, John, what the hell? Wait, wait, wait. Tell us what made you so mad about Gone Girl. Well, I'm getting married, you know, right? Yeah. I I, I didn't know if you knew about this. And and the way that girl was gone... It It made you sad? Well, well, they delivered on the promise of the girl not being there. But I felt like they could have handled it in a way that was actually about ethics and games journalism. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ethics are important ethics are, are very important they are uh, central to the core of gaming which I make games you do make oh, games do. <laughs> <laughs> so John what have you been up to my man well um I do have a story not related to games oh do you I do um it's about how a book by a good friend of ours, one Mr. Patrick Rezel, uh, almost killed an infant child. Do what? Oh. Oh. So, um, so I loaned this book to a friend of mine who, who does have a small child. And um, being a mother, she doesn't always get a chance to read. So I, she had had this book for like two weeks and she had maybe gotten 
30 pages in. And, you know, it's it, we have a history of I'll loan her a book and she won't read it, etc. And so kind of like, you know, ha, 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 give her playful ribbing over that. So one day she got really, really invested in the zeros, just was, you know, reading it, reading a lot through the day while she was uh, watching her child. And um, what ended up happening was the, the child wandered into um, the bedroom down the hall and this house they live in, um, her, her husband has a teenage daughter who doesn't live with them, but is sometimes over. And, um, so my friend was really invested in reading the zeros and, uh, the child wandered off. So when she found the child, um, the child had somehow gotten a, um, a feminine shaving razor cartridge and had gotten it in her mouth. Oh my oh. god! Because the teenage daughter had apparently dropped it on the floor and no one knew about it. So yeah, Pat's book almost killed a child. <laughs> Holy shit! Way to go, Pat! I really hope Defax isn't listening to this. <laughs> I doubt he is. That's not... Uh, I'm, I'm not talking about the director of the voice acting for... um. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin Elysian Tale. I'm talking about the Department of Family and Child Services. Oh. You didn't name names. So, John, have you been up to anything else other than loaning people books so that they can kill their infant children? Besides, besides killing babies, um, yes. Uh, I went to a Halloween party last week. Really? How was that? Uh, it was dumb. It was dumb. <laughs> but I'm finally old enough to drink, so that was good. Good, good. Uh, but you couldn't have you couldn't have yeah. any gluten. No, and I'm still mad about that. You should Thanks be. for bringing it up. I'm sorry, John. And, and you know what? Me being mad about that also reminded me of how mad I am about Gone Girl. Oh. What else are you mad about as it pertains to Gone Girl? Um, so... I knew that it was directed by David Fincher, and um, it was nothing like Alien 3 at all. Oh, so, I don't yeah, know about it's like, that. Have some consistency of quality there, Mr. Fincher. So you just keep giving me things to be mad about with your movie. One of these days, you're, 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 you'll get over it. I, I really don't think so. You think that this is just going to be the stigma that haunts you for the rest of your life? I think what I'm going to have to do is take out a parody Twitter account. Like, is Half-Life 3 out yet? Mm -hmm. Except it's going to be, is John still mad about Gone Girl? <laughs> so, other than being angry about Gone Girl, other than not being able to have gluten, other than a, a, a Halloween party that sounds like it was stupid, have you been into anything else? I've been playing uh, some video games. Really? What you been playing? Uh, I've been playing Tomb Raider 2013, because that's how we're naming it now, apparently. Like, it's the Bionic <laughs> Commando remake that everyone calls Bionic Commando 2009. Mm hmm If they didn't want that happening, they shouldn't have reused the same name. Yeah, it's like, why? <laughs> I don't know what they were trying to accomplish. It's Bionic Commando is not a series that needed, like, a name reboot. And it's not the kind of game that was going to generate the buzz to start a new IP. 
Well, and everybody like everybody knows what you're talking about when you're talking about Bionic Commando rearmed. But when you say Bionic Commando, it's like, oh, are you talking about Bionic Commando on the NES? Or no, maybe I'm talking about the arcade version that like five people play. But no, <laughs> it's, I'm talking about the Mike Patton, Hot Dog Spencer, 2009, People You're Breathing. Um, you have Wait. the option of telling the boss to shut the hell up during his monologue. That Bionic Commando. <laughs> But Tomb Raider 2013, as we're referring to it. <laughs> so, I actually bought this game a while back and played maybe three hours of it, and I was like, yeah, this is kind of poopy. Um, but uh, recently, um, I've been having a lot of computer difficulties, and I ended up having to buy a new power supply and video card, and I was like, you know... I, I see that there in my Steam queue, along with 130 other games I'm probably not going to play anytime soon. So I fired it up, and yeah, my first impressions of it were correct. It's kind of um, it's kind of linear. It, it herds you into action set pieces, much like an Uncharted game. Um, but knowing what to expect this time, I'm kind of able to ignore it and, and get on with it. Because from the outset, it looks like it's going to be like Far Cry 3. You've got your crafting, you've got your hunting and stuff, but those things really aren't that big of a part of it, at least not like the five hours that I've put into the game. Yeah, that's pretty much correct. It's just a linear thing right to the end. But it's 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 really pretty, though. And it's, Yeah. <laughs> and I just agree with something that I believe it was the Vigi Game Apocalypse um, podcast said, is that... You know, it's trying to tell this story where it's it's Lara Croft's metamorphosis from uh, you know not being very confident and maybe a little naive about the world and just being hardened by being put in this really grisly survival situation, and then there's a complete disconnect from the actual gameplay where you're you're getting stealth kills on everybody and arrowing them through the throat. Um, so maybe if the gameplay aspect could have handled that a little bit better other than your every now and then forced um, quick time event where you have to smash F to bash a guy off you and hurl him off the cliff, then um, maybe that would have uh, been the verb, uh, as it were, to, <laughs> to tell that story through gaming. Um, and uh, I'm going to try and take some lessons from that. Uh, when I make a game where you bash a guy <laughs> off the cliff, um, you're going to feel it in your gut as a player. Cool. Using the the correct verbiage. Indeed. Uh, so I guess, like, uh, like, Uncharted kind of handles that that aspect of creating that kind of game better because it's not presenting itself as a gritty and rough uh, survival game, and it's more of just, like, you know, sort uh, of... Yeah. A- yeah, a little bit. It's it's an adventure serial. It's an Indiana Jones thing. Um, Uncharted itself, probably the gameplay frustrations stem more from not from a disconnect or being boring because there there certainly is um, a lot of action, but it's just the platforming gets in the in the way. And in Tomb Raider, there is some of that, but it's handled a little better. It's a little more loose, freeform. It, you're not usually at a loss as to tell what's going to be an arbitrary spot that it's like, okay, I can cling onto this wall because walls that you can cling onto. So you have a pickaxe that you can use to scale walls. And those walls are clearly delineated because they're usually rock faces that have like a white sheen to them. And uh, if you get super duper lost, you can always press Q 
which will uh, make the game go monochrome, and then yellow pillars of light will highlight the next um, point of interest that you need to go to to progress th through the game. It's a little like the hint system in Uncharted, but that just kind of makes a jingly sound, and Nate Drake looks to where he's supposed to get up to, and sometimes that doesn't always help you get there. Oh, some of the random weird because it just points into like a specific direction, and if you right. were and if there's like any kind of wallage between you and that spot, you just end up looking at this focusing on this dumb wall. It's like what the fuck game? That's not a very good hint system, no. Yeah, it's 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 like Yorda. It's like thanks for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I had that problem when I played Eco uh, constantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I really like the new Tomb Raider, but you, you do have to go in expecting that it's just an Uncharted game. Thing, some it, it doesn't present itself as that at first because it gives you it shows you this big map and you're collecting all of these resources and you think, oh yeah. wow, you know, I'm going to be surviving. I'm going to be finding new abilities to get into ex you know places that I can't get into. But it's just right. it, it sounds and like you can, you're herded the whole way. And you can fast travel between campsites like Far Cry 3. But really, I can only see you needing to do that in order to go back and find the collectible doodads and unlockables that you missed the first time. So, John, another question, if I may. You may. What do you think Lara Croft thinks of Rhett's dick? <laughs> well, they use the metric system, so... Um... I would have to Wikipedia up a conversion chart for that one. It still would it still be hung to the max? <laughs> hung, hung to the. Kilo. I believe I believe in England they hung they use the... terms like right chuffed. <laughs> <laughs> if there was any way that I would describe Brett's dick, it would be right chuffed. Mm. He's got he's got a big old chufty right now. <laughs> This is the best well, episode of the podcast. Hours. No, this is the worst episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's gotten into you and John this week. Me. <sighs> You're fine, Raquel. I'm just drinking a lot of wine. Because I don't have a lot to talk about this week. <laughs> I've only got one thing to talk about. Oh, but it's a thing. It is a thing. Um, but uh, before I talk about me, John... Yes. You got anything else for us? Um, I have been playing another game. What you been playing? I've been playing Nier for the PlayStation 2. Really? I mean, uh, 3. <laughs> I, I can see... I forgot that I wasn't playing a PlayStation 2 game on my PlayStation 3 with PlayStation 2 emulation. Just because of how incredibly dated that game looks for a game that came out in 2010. It, it, it feels dated, too. Even just the way... It really does. Like, the mechanics and the way the character moves around the world feel. It he, still he, feels very... So, he he runs at this clip that's, like, much faster than he really should be, and <laughs> as a result, his, his running animation just... It's like he's bounding all over the place, just like a little... I'm gonna run over here down the plane, boop, boop, boop. and but it's it's got it's got a really interesting world. So um, I guess the verb that you could say uh, near works on so far is disorientation, <laughs> because that was a noun actually. That's but. a noun, yes. <laughs> 
So you play an intro segment that is, um, spoiler alert, it takes place in what looks like, you know, a ruined um, city, like not 40 years into our future. And, um, and it introduces you to the game's mechanics as far as like how the magic system works, because you've got this familiar floating around that you can shoot magic spells with. Um, in addition to your stock standard Devil May Cry melee attacking um, mechanics. And then it takes all these things away, a la Alucard getting his powers taken away by death at the beginning of Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And then it flings you forward uh, thousands of years into the future, and no mention is made of how you got there or why or whether it was a dream or whatever, it's just like, this is the new reality, you're now in this, um, the world's still ruined, and you can tell that um, the modern age has fallen, because you can see, like, bridges and things, um, that it, the remnants of the world uh, that was, but your character makes no acknowledgement of, like, oh yeah, I was there just a few minutes ago, um, how did I get here, did I really live this long, did I um, travel through time, am, am I tripping on drugs, who knows? So it's like you go from, I guess, uh, Resident Evil Apocalypse to Thundar the Barbarian at <laughs> such a rapid clip, it just kind of throws you into, like, whoa, now I'm playing this, um, this weird Zelda-like now, and okay, I, I want to explore more of this world and kind of find out what's going on. So I think that's, like, the real... Um, the real initial hook, and I, I have only played a few hours of the game, so um, I'm interested in to see what it has to throw at me. Awesome. I know a lot of people absolutely love yeah. that game, especially the soundtrack, which, uh, yeah, the music is fucking good. Um, yeah, it's got that It's got that um, Square Enix music production from that generation of consoles, but maybe with, I guess, a little bit less um, J-pop silliness that kind of went along <laughs> with the... Um, Gen 6 Final Fantasies, or that started to creep up in that, and then just really, really hit me hard when I tried to play Final Fantasy 13 too, which oh, I don't gosh. recommend anyone do. That that first song on the beach is just like, it's like, I feel like I'm shoe shopping or something. It sounds like <laughs> something that would be playing at Department Store Music. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, the if there's anything that put me off about Final Fantasy thirteen two, it was definitely there's so many vocal tracks and they uh, oh they're so grating. And there are vocal tracks in near two, but they're a little understated. They're, I uh, <laughs> oh oh, and the vocal track during the boss fight in <laughs> Final Fantasy thirteen two. Oh God. <laughs> And then there's the lyrics cra- talking about the protagonist in me. It's just, <laughs> and then there's crazy chocobo. Yeah, uh, but that but that's actually objectively good. Oh, objectively good. <laughs> yes. So, so you haven't you haven't played near before? Uh, no. Um, oh, he's borrowing it from me. So yes. Uh, because it is an older game. It is, it's and it like, looks like it's much older than. From when it came out, but that that shouldn't stop you from playing it because I made a game about ants and I used uh, <laughs> basically clip art to um, emoji. Right? <laughs> How dare I forget the name of that thing that I used in my game that I made? Yeah, <laughs> Polly, have you played near? Uh, I've played the first seven or eight hours of it. 
but it was it was just a bit too much of a commitment for me to get into at the time, so I just passed it off to John. Um, so is that about all you've been up to, John? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, and just you know, planning my wedding and being mad about Gone Girl and making <laughs> games. That's that's how John's life goes. That's how you do, huh? That's how you do. Oh, I roll. That's how you roll. I well, heard you're working on a new game. Yeah, the one about frogs. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, it's called Frogs in Love. Um, so it's a bit of a the, – the verb in that game is jumping. Okay. And also looking at other frogs' butts. Ah. Cool. I like that. We, we don't have enough licking butt mechanics in video games, I don't think. We really need more. Yeah. So I've only gotten around to actually playing – one video game other than The Room the last couple of weeks. I've been sick and busy and then had a migraine and then, I was, and then I was more sick and then busy. Uh, but um, I got to finish The Last of Us and holy shit, I really love that game. Um, I know John has played it as well. <laughs> yes! Um, but uh, for me... That game started off with a lot of promise. It was making a lot of promises as to what it was. You know, this bleak, dark, post-apocalyptic world of survival and scrimping to get by. But there's also this urgency of this this mission that you need to accomplish. You know, you've got to get across the United States to, you know, help Ellie do the thing that she's got to do. Um... And, and, you know, all while surviving in these really harsh conditions um, and everything in the world just being complete and utter shit. And it delivered on every single one of those promises for me from uh, from you know the storyline being just really satisfying and going places that I didn't think it was going to go to the game mechanics themselves. I, I just found them immensely rewarding uh, with how. Uh, they forced me into a lot of situations that felt like I was scrimping binds, you know. Uh, I wanted to conserve every bullet I had or, like, every material I had. It's like, I, I, I need to save all of this shit. And any time you had to use those resources, it always just stung. Um, you know, it's, it's just, just um, getting into a firefight just felt like the worst thing ever to me because I always wanted to try and stealth my way through. And to be fair, there's a mechanic in the game where you can just restart an encounter. Uh, but I, I opted to not do that and just take my lumps. And it was like, well, fuck it. I guess I'm going all in on this fight and hoping I don't need these bullets for, you know, something else. Or, you know, or I'm out of bullets entirely. What the fuck can I do? These guys have me pinned down, so I'm just, like, trying to craft a Molotov cocktail or a nail bomb on the fly and just flinging it out and hoping to God it works. It's just, it really nailed that level of intensity for me that um, that it had promised from the outset. Um, and I, I just, I, I just thoroughly fucking enjoyed that game. Cool. What about you, John? What are your what are your, what are some thoughts? I, like, I want to refrain from doing much spoiling of it because once uh, Rhett plays through it, I do want to do a spoiler cast about it because I think that as a significant game that sort of signifies the end of the previous generation, I think that it's worth talking about. Yeah. So I need, I need to get on that. Yeah. So, John, what do you think of The Last of Us? Yeah, so um, just to complement something you said about the combat, so there really are two distinct types of combat situations. Um, 
uh, the aforementioned firefights, and um, <clears throat> which are usually mostly taken with uh, human characters, um, human enemies. Usually, when you end up in a firefight with um, the infected, uh, you done fucked up. <laughs> Unless it's a scripted scene, in which case it's like, defend this point for X amount of time. Um, and you can definitely take on the human enemy uh, segments with stealth. Um, the Metal Gear route, watching their patrols, trying to um, move up on one of them, maybe stealth kill. Um, which I, I made an effort to um, murder everyone I came across in that game. Oh, it felt um, satisfying to do so as well. Like, I had way more fun than I probably should have, like, stealth-murdering fools. It's just like, yep, I'm gonna choke you out, and I'm gonna choke you out, and give me a fucking neck, I'm choking you bitches out. Oh, uh, you know, I, I just really love, like, getting the uh, the bat or the pipe with the, uh, the, sciz- the yeah, the rusty scissors tape, Oh, too. God! And just, like, creaming someone in the face with that, and then breaking off the shrapnel and his soon-to-be-deceased corpse. Or the axe. The axe is really fun. They only give you, like, two or three axes throughout the course of the game, but, oh my god, I can understand why, because it's obviously an instant kill, but you just lops that into somebody's fucking skull or right into their gut and rip up. It's just, oh god. But the the encounters against the infected really do um, take a lot of the so shivs are basically your hard currency in this game. You've yeah. got to you got to make decisions whether you're going to try to avoid the clickers or use the shivs on the clickers because those are really the only your last and best and only really uh, line of defense against those things should they um, uh, be alerted to your presence. Um, but they're also um, keys for getting into certain areas. Um, Past which you'll usually find more crafting materials, which is always good. Um, there's there's the upgrades for the guns, the collecting uh, nuts and bolts and stuff. Um, so there's there's really a little bit of leeway as to how you want to play that game. But if you are going in running and gunning, you're probably doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the sections with where clickers were involved, I always found those to just be intensely satisfying because it, it's always a test of nerves because, you know, you can sneak past them without ever having to engage them because they can't see you. They can only hear you. And they um, stand still, but then at the same time, you've got the regular infected uh, runners, I guess they're called in the game's uh, parlance, that have patrol routes, and so if um, if one of those gets wise to you, that can easily set off a clicker, and that just, you know, the, the butthole clenching um, is magnified in that regard. Yeah, yeah, and, and I just noticed that there were portions of the game where I either didn't have the supplies to try and take out a whole swarm of them, or I was trying to conserve, and I would be trying to, like, sneak by these clickers, you know, you're on the edge of your seat, and it's just like, at what point do your nerves get out, and you just be like, fuck it, I'm blowing a shiv. <laughs> You know, I, I had a lot of moments where it was just like, I, I, this is too, like, I, I need to not be this intense right now. And we would just pull out a shiv and shiv a motherfucker. Last of Us, you shiv motherfuckers. You shiv motherfuckers, yes. Uh, Rhett, get on that. But that, that, that's really all I've been into. So now we're going to turn the podcast over to Rhett, and he's going to talk about everything he's played for the next two hours. Oh, boy. Isn't that right, <laughs> Rhett? But first, but first, I want to I, I ask you something. Is it what I think it's going to be? What? What do you think it's going to be? <laughs> no, just just ask your question. It, it's the question you've been avoiding all yeah, this entire call. Yeah, it's the question you've been avoiding this entire call. 
how, how cold is how cold is, is it? There? Wait, wait, wait. This this call. We're we're all in like one studio though here, right? Why are why are we on a call? Um, we're, we're all in Florida. We're all in Florida with yes. John. We're hanging out before his wedding. Hi. I'm in Florida. It's paradise down here. Say hi to Anna for us, John. Oh, she's asleep. Okay. Oh. We, we we bored her to death. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Anna. Rhett's dick is not as exciting enough to keep Anna awake. <laughs> so, Rhett, what have you been playing? What have you been doing? Uh, I saw a movie. Oh, did you? That I really hated. Oh, no. What did you see? Was it Gone Girl? It wasn't Gone Girl. I saw Gone Girl before you did, John, and I thought it was okay. You should have told me. I didn't think you'd be this offended by it. Uh, I saw the movie John Wick. I've never even heard of this. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's the new Keanu Reeves joint. So it's a Keanu Reeves movie. It's uh, it's a revenge story where he's like this ex-assassin or whatever. Until one day, the bad men come for him and they kill his dog. And that just sets him the fuck off. And then it's about an hour and so- change of headshots. Hmm. It is... It's like when you play a game like uncharted or max Payne, like you're shooting a lot of dudes in the head that's what video games are so this is a movie like as if it was based off a video game but they kept the gameplay part the same oh oh so it's just like i've never seen a movie that just consistently and constantly goes out of its way to show the main character shoot people in the head it's just so disgustingly gratuitously over-the-top violence. I was just, like, tuned out right away. I'm like, oh, God, this is really way more violent than I was expecting. And there's, Did like, you... very little story And the other story than... is absolutely paper-thin beyond belief. It's, you killed my dog, now you're all gonna die. Why is the dog, like, the, the catalyst for this headshot-a-thon? Okay, if you... The real story is that his wife, like, gets cancer and dies, and then she leaves him the dog as her last gift, and then the dog dies. It's still it's still paper. It's, even it's, then, it's still very paper. Yeah, it's not even that the wife was killed by the mafia. It's the mafia killed the dog that was the gift from the wife. But it's it's I can't express enough how often shot the, there are headshots in this movie. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like close up shots of like he fires three bullets into somebody's stomach, then puts the gun up to their head and shoot, shoots them again. And that's just, like, a bit excessive. Like, yeah. Kung fu or gun gun fu, whatever, but like every single shot points the gun down, shoots him on the head. Like so disgustingly over the top in violence, so that's my like Did you see say? um shoot him up uh with Clive Owen? I think I did. That was a while ago though. Yeah, so that that what you're describing sounds a bit like that, except um as I recall that movie was more cartoony and not <laughs> not quite as yeah, visceral. this one takes itself really seriously, or it seems to. Like, that's really and the whole weird. Soundtrack is like really loud. Marilyn Manson just blasting. It's I don't know. It's uncomfortable. It like it made me take pause of like this isn't a video game, but it's making me really uncomfortable about video game violence. <laughs> it's just shooting people in the head, and now it's a movie using live actors and just doing the same shit. It's like really uncomfortable. <laughs> Maybe it's good that you don't play The Last of Us so soon, then. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that game's... What that was game's... that game you were talking about last week where the trailer was just utter oh. violence? Hatred. 
Yeah, that's what it's reminding me of. Where it feels like you're essentially killing just to kill. Yeah. I think I was more weirded out by this movie than that trailer, and that trailer's pretty bad. And then look on Rotten Tomatoes, and the movie has like a really high score of like 86. I'm just like, why do people like this garbage? Those kind of movies usually don't score that high. What I the world? Yeah. couldn't believe this had such a high score. They're like, oh, Keanu Reeves is back. This is going to be a series. Or I'm like, oh, fuck that. Jeez. So that's what I've been doing for non-video game stuff. And then I got a lot of video game stuff. <laughs> Everybody, buckle up, get your hot cocoa ready, get a warm blankie. Rhett has a lot to say. <laughs> About video games. He loves them video games. So first thing I played was Enslaved Odyssey to the West. Good job. This that was... game's awesome. It's okay. <laughs> I really, really just thoroughly enjoyed that game. It's entire... just it's It felt like... it To me... It felt like an adventure in the same way that Brothers A Tale of Two Sons did. Although, you know, obviously Enslaved is... <laughs> a little different. A little different. But I I like the journey through that world. Yeah. It, was, it had a really fun sense of place. I really like how the environments were very cohesive, how it all, how the entire game had this sort of look to it of, you know, Mother Nature's pissed off and she's taking everything back. Hmm. I kind of thought the environments really took a dive after the New York stuff at the start. Because mm. it's like the first one, New York is amazing, and then the village is pretty good, and then like the trash heap is like eh, and then like the last two levels, besides the final level, are inside. Eh, I still liked it. Yeah. Whatever. But the funny thing for me was that I played this, you know, right after Eco last week, and one of the first things it says is. Press left bumper to look at your captive or your captor. Because <laughs> you play as a guy named Monkey. Yep. And at the start, uh, this girl puts a mind control thing on your head that'll kill you if you don't do what she says or if she dies. So you press left bumper and it pans over to her in like the exact same way the camera pans o- over to Yorda in Eco. Yep. <laughs> so I just had that connection in my head for the whole game. And then there's even like a scene where you climb on a windmill. <laughs> So I kept joking that like this game is a ripoff of Eco. <laughs> this game is actually Eco, but more engaging and not frustrating. I will say it has better combat. Yes, <laughs> infinitely better combat. <clears throat> so, so do you think when Ninja Theory's not uh, saddled with making a God of War clone where you can't jump, <laughs> or um, uh, Devil May Cry with um, Dante? Uh, <laughs> Dante. <laughs> So, I, I guess, is this more of a an auteur's vision of a game for them? Mm, I can kind of see that, but it's still very focused on the gameplay. Like, there's not a lot that's, it's you know, it's not trying to tell the best story in the world, but I, I really oh. think, I think that it's, like, the characters and the voice acting, though, are just, like, really good. I really, like, engage with those characters. Um, yeah, Monkey and, oh god, I forget the girl's <laughs> name already. Tiff? What's, what's her name? I don't remember. <laughs> Let's just call her Yorda. <laughs> Yorda. Not Yorda. <laughs> yeah, those two were good. I wasn't a huge fan of Pigsy. I thought Pig- Pigsy was great. He was an asshole, though. He was an asshole, but I really liked his voice acting. <laughs> 
He was just such a prick. He's like, oh, I'll try to kill you, and then I'll save you, and then you're touching my penis. (laughs) (laughs) That was the best moment. That was... (laughs) You're touching my, um, um, penis. (laughs) That's literally how they play it. Yeah, it's really (laughs) weird. I'm like, did I write this scene? This reminds me of a comic I did once. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, what else did you think of Enslaved or... Any other thoughts on it, or I just thought like a lot of the mechanics kind of didn't go as deep as I would have liked because it was kind of changing genre so quickly. Where sometimes it's a like you're climbing around, but the climbing was mostly kind of pretty simple, just automated like press direction tap A, and then the stealth was in. I think the stealth stuff in this very start was probably my favorite, but it, that kind of fell away towards the end almost entirely. Yeah, it's pretty much it opens up basically yeah. full combat mode yeah. once you're finished with those first few stealth sections. And then the combat wasn't super deep. It was more God of War, like light attack, heavy attack, heavy attack, heavy attack. Yeah. Then do the finisher. Yeah. But it's a good game, and then the ending is freaking nuts. Yeah. It it really kind of wrapped up in a hurry that I, I was really surprised when it was like, by the way, this is your last chance to upgrade because this is the last level. I'm like, what? This is... I thought it was halfway through the game or something. <laughs> no, it, it it wraps itself up in a way to me that just feels like, whoops, we ran out of time or money. Yeah. So the end really sneaks up on you, and then the ending itself is oh, pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I won't spoil it, but I was just like, huh, that, that, that was not what I was expecting for the ending. <laughs> That's certainly an ending. Yep. I'm not sure, because this game is based on the Chinese tale journey to the West. Yeah. I have no idea how accurate it is. No idea. If there's anything like that ending in the original story or not. If you, if you want cultural literacy from this podcast, remember <laughs> we're the podcast that spent an hour talking about Rhett's dick. We talk about books that kill babies. Yes. <laughs> so I've yet to play the, in the DLC for Enslaved. I'll get to that. I hear soon. that's really good. I haven't gotten around to it myself yet either, but yeah. everybody I talk to says that it's really good. It has the name Pigsy right in it, though. What's wrong with Pigsy? Like, Every, I liked, everything. I liked Pigsy. I thought he was a charming character. Uh, is, he, is that the kind of turnoff that Tiny Tina's um, Dungeon <laughs> Dragon DLC is? In a way. Because a lot of people hate Tiny Tina. Yeah. I she's, thought she was. Okay. She's a lot better. She's a lot better in the DLC as well. I was about to say, are you going to say she's a lot better than Pigsy? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Tiny Tina was the one character in Borderlands Two I didn't hate. Tina, blah 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 blah. I'm red. <laughs> I I thought Tiny Tina was like the only character to make me laugh in Borderlands Two. Just everything about that game's humor just. Yeah. <laughs> So when they have a little girl who's focused on explosives, now you're talking my language. Can we, can we like, skin swap her to Jinx? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I would enjoy that. You know, email uh, Gearbox, they might put it in as DLC for the new one. Yeah. They love DLC in those games. I they don't see love why. their DLC, those stupid head costumes. God. Does anyone buy the Borderlands DLC as it comes out? I think everybody I just waits. Just wait till the Go- Gautier edition. Yeah, wait wait for the <laughs> Gautier edition, or just, like, wait for Steam sales. 
Uh, I know somebody that actually bought like the Headhunter packs, like the little DLC missions as they came out. Ugh. Those were pretty cheap, though. They were like three bucks, maybe. <laughs> so that's Enslaved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else you been getting into? Uh, I decided to take a little trip back and play some old games. Oh. Uh, I played the original Legend of Zelda. Really? Ooh. Dark Souls prototype, you mean? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so how so, was that? That is a very interesting game. It holds up pretty well, to my surprise. Oh, yeah, definitely. Some old games really do not, and especially like old games that try to be fairly complex, especially like Metroid, Kid Icarus. Yeah, compared to like Contra or Mega Man or Super Mario Brothers, like these those play exactly the same today. But Legend of Zelda kind of feels like a middle ground between those, where it's got a lot of action and it has some system depth, but it's not completely obtuse, like some older games like Kid Icarus, especially. Mm-hmm. And I can really see now how a lot of the times whenever Zelda gets talked about online, like people always start talking about the openness of the first game and, oh, the Zeldas are so linear now. And I can see why people really want them to go back to this style now because it's really weird. Just You're just thrown into this world like, it, here you Yeah, go. it just drops you in and yeah. it doesn't tell you where to go. It doesn't tell you, you where just, to go, but... You just, you just kind of wander around. Yeah. The game design is smart enough in that it leads you. It leads yeah. without saying much. Yeah, like the way... I mean, this is a really obvious example, but like the whole... Like the first screen has the door that you walk into and you get the sword. Like, it's possible to just totally miss that, but most people aren't going to. Yeah. And like... The game's really smartly designed because... Like, the first three dungeons, you can do all right at the start, and they're all pretty close to the start, and it doesn't really matter which you do, but, like, it doesn't force you to go in order. It trusts you to be like, well, if you can't beat something, just leave and come back later. Yeah, it's like you can go to that fifth dungeon and go, okay, hey, maybe this is a bit yeah. too hard. Yeah. Let me go to the other ones and see how they are. Yeah. I feel like a lot of um, Japanese games, at least, like, getting into this... Moving into the 16-bit era didn't do that, um, whereas a lot of Western games did. Like, literally in um, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Gateway to the Seven Savage Frontier, there are no story flags that stop you from going somewhere unless you've triggered a certain event. You can literally do the game out of order. I mean, you probably can't beat it without having having gotten everything, but you can you can go places where you're super under-leveled, um, and... and <laughs> It's one of those games where the flavor text isn't in the actual game. It tells you a journal page on like the physical manual that came with the game that you have to open. And so story events <laughs> will just happen completely out of order. Oh, jeez. But, um, but one, one Japanese game that does let you kind of... It's like you wander into an area and it's like, you're getting trounced. Maybe I shouldn't be here yet, is um, Shin Megami Tensei on the Super Famicom. Um, had, a, had a lot of that... Uh, same kind of flavor like the older Western RPGs where it's just like, uh, you're thrown in here, have fun, motherfucker. Um, it, <laughs> it really doesn't start until after the um, the apocalypse part starts because um, so there's a, there's a pre-ruin um, part where you're just in regular Tokyo and then there's a nuclear war and you wake up like 20 years later and then you're thrown into the game for real. And um, 
gives you it, it gives you a lot of that uh, disorientation of being on your own and alone and not really guided by the hand where to go. Cool. But yeah, Zelda. <laughs> well, John, that's a very John thing to reference. Yeah. So <laughs> I know. I'm gonna go look up some stuff on Zelda now on Wikipedia. <laughs> So yeah, I went into Zelda. I played it a bit as a kid. Like I knew where the first dungeon was, and that's about it. And then didn't really have much attention span after that. But so I went into this one pretty much as blind as possible, and I did manage to beat it with no issues. I did end up doing the whole thing where you just draw the map, so you can remember certain rooms to check later when you have key items. I still like, like I, I, I like writing things down. Mm-hmm. When it comes to a game, and like when I saw your handwritten notes and your and the yeah. map that you drew, it's like I instantly flashed back to like when I mapped out Metroid and when I mapped out the original Metal Gear. It was like, oh man, it's just it's so cool when games make you write things down, which is another yeah. reason why I really liked Fez. Yeah, Fez was the, la- the last time I really had several notebook pages dedicated to um, just keeping track of shit. I just mostly had to write down the alphabet. <laughs> Yeah, the alphabet. And then actually. I couldn't read my own scribbles because they looked nothing like what was on screen. <laughs> yeah. For the Fez alphabet, I did that on my computer just so it would be more accurate, pixel perfect, and shit. Mm. But uh, the thing about Zelda that's really interesting is that there really is a progression to it, even though it's not holding your hand. Like the first three dungeons are just out there in the open, and you can do them, and they're all not that hard. Yeah. And then the fourth dungeon requires the item from the third dungeon. And then pretty much everything after that requires the item from the fourth dungeon, which is the ladder. Like what the ladder is like the only real big gatekeeper as far as progression goes, kind of like the ice beam in Metroid. Yeah. Cause it's not like something where you need the item from dungeon one to beat dungeon two and then dungeon two to beat dungeon three. Like you don't have to do them in order. It's really this one big halfway point with dungeon four and then getting all the triforce pieces for the end and it's different from zelda's in the sense that in in zelda's now it's like i got this item and i need that to defeat the boss and there's none of that in uh the first zelda i don't believe (laughs) yeah in the first zelda you don't really need the items the only time i think you ever really need an item to beat the boss is the whistle Think so. uh, and oh, yeah, I forgot about the that whistle one. and the arrows, and you don't even get those from that dungeon. Yeah, you get the bow from the dungeon, and then you have to go buy the arrows. Yeah, separately, which is really funny. But then that's like you use that to kill uh, Goma, which is like six or seven, and you get the bow in dungeon one. So like, yeah, so I'm it's an interesting you. thing that you don't need the item you get from the dungeon to beat the boss in it. Yeah. And other Zeldas don't do that anymore. They are just so... It's pretty get, much, get here's item. that item, yeah. you're gonna need it, and you can use it to wreck everything shit in the rest of the dungeon. And you get to the boss, it's like, oh, I wonder what this boss is weak against. Oh, it's the item I just got. Of course it is. Yeah. And, like, Zelda 1 has, like, the wand seems totally optional, but it's just cool to sh- shoot fire at guys. But another thing that's interesting about Zelda 1 is that money is actually useful for once. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Like, you have to buy the arrows, and then you have to buy uh, the... You don't have to, but you can buy the ring that makes you take less damage. 
and then you buy the uh, the candle and the meat. And so, you can buy a bigger shield. So. <laughs> and isn't it every time you shoot an arrow, it takes a rupee? I seem to recall that. Yeah, you have to buy the arrows for 80 rupees originally, and then they still cost one every time you fire. So I didn't I didn't actually use the So bonus. is Link using the rupees as a weapon? Like <laughs> He's tying a stick to the rupees and shooting them at enemies. I think that is an interesting way though of making them useful. Yeah. But so I didn't use the bow much because like the whole game I'm kind of strapped for money cuz it's like, "Oh, I got to shave up for the meat, the meat now because the dude in the dungeon wants some," which is one of the weirder parts of the game, but uh it was nice that well, even monsters get hungry, right? Yeah. Well, just that's the one really kind of obtuse puzzle where the guy just goes grumble, grumble, and you're supposed to know, oh, that means he wants meat. But, yeah, like his stomach is grumbling, and you're yeah. supposed to assume he wants food. Like, I have a feeling that probably played better in Japanese because... Yeah, because they have a sound effect. Yeah, um, they have like that shit on lockdown, like doki-doki means heart-pounding. Yeah, so they definitely had a sound effect that meant... My, t- my tummy rumbly. Yeah. <laughs> my tummy rumbly. That's that's what it says in the Japanese. Yeah, that, when you, that's when you definitely translate what it. the monster makes. He's like, my tummy rumbly. Yeah, when you translate it, uh, trust me, I, I know my Japanese, and when you translate that, uh, it's actually, my tummy rumbly. <laughs> so yeah, there's a few parts where you need certain items, like the whistle and the ladder to access certain areas but for the most part it's just so much more open than i'm used to from a zelda game and that's really cool and for the most part it really gates itself with difficulty where it's like you can go into dungeon seven or not seven but six or eight like pretty early but you're gonna get your ass beat (laughs) if you've got like three hearts or whatever yeah but it does give you that option to explore It, it anyway and i think yeah so you can find dungeons early and i found like a bunch of them before i even found the third one but and the good thing about that is that once you know where something is then you can just come back there when you're ready later i'm gonna kind of seg you that into something later that will make more sense yeah you seg you that seg seg you how do you say that segway seg what it's segway how how many episodes have you been letting me say it wrong all of them all of them fuck you you didn't know that the word was segue? Maybe. <laughs> Do you play Rogu-likes? <laughs> Rogu-like. Well, this is, is awkward. Is the room... I mean, I think it's safe to say that I'm the youngest person here, and I knew it was segue. <laughs> I know segway. what segue is. I thought there was a different word that meant the same thing. No, I'm the youngest person here. I was only in fifth grade four years ago. I was in elementary John, school. John, you're older than me. <laughs> A good <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, so, what other. Co- <laughs> I'm, se- I'm going to Sagui. <laughs> Rat, will you Sagui? Sagui, Sagui. Sagui. That's what I was meaning to say. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. So one other thing about the original Zelda, <laughs> comparing it to Metroid, where in Metroid, when you die, you start with 30 life. Mm-hmm. And when you come back. And that sucks. Oh, yeah. 
And in Zelda, when you come back to life, you start with three hearts. Yep. That also sucks, but I think it's handled way better in Zelda because it makes you want to learn where the fairy fountains are because there is a way to actually restore your life to max. Yeah, and and there's no way to feasibly do that. You just have to grind it out in Metroid or you have to get yeah. lucky and find an energy tank. Yeah, there's like no way in Metroid to just, okay, here, heal up. But in Zelda, you can either buy a potion, which makes money useful, or you can use one of the shortcuts. Find that fairy fountain. Yeah. And then there's the underground tunnels that can get you to the fairy fountains pretty quickly. And it also rewards exploration, like knowing that there's a potion shop, like one left of Dungeon 9. It's -hmm. pretty nice if you need to go back and heal up. Yeah. So compared to Metroid, like Metroid is more atmospheric and... It's got better music, and then that whole ending sequence is really good. But as far as like the gameplay mechanics go, Legend of Zelda has yeah. the edge. Zelda, I would definitely play Zelda 1 again before I play the original Metroid. And it's not because I think Metroid's bad. It's just it's a, Zelda is a much better put-together game. Yeah. Until the last boss. Yeah. Fucking that it, last dungeon in The Legend of Zelda really makes you feel lost. So that was the one dungeon I had to also draw a map for, and that was really cool. Yeah. I was, like, marking down, like, all those underground passages. There's, like, six of them or something. It's, like, a huge dungeon. It's, like, probably, like, a third of the game size or something. But then you get to the Ganon, and he's just invisible, and you spam the sword. It's like, well, that's, like, the worst final boss ever. Yeah. So I tried a bit of the second quest. I actually beat the first two dungeons in that, but then I couldn't find the third one, and it was just like, well, I don't really feel like bombing every single wall in the game. Yeah, it, the, the second quest is kind of just there for that purpose, I guess. Yeah, and it, it, it doesn't really feel as substantial, uh, and I never, I never beat the second quest. So I, I think it's really cool that it's in there though, because the first game isn't really that long. Yeah, and having like nine new super hard dungeons is cool, but. I think the mechanics do kind of reach their point where it's just like, okay, you just have to assume any wall in the game could be bombable now. Yeah. So when I'm like going through the first dungeon, like bombing every single possible wall, it's like, well, this is really stupid now. This isn't fun. I don't really feel like I'm discovering anything. Yeah, it's 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 not clever. Yeah. Like there's one dungeon in the first quest where you bomb a wall into a room the map says doesn't exist and then it is and you're like oh that was actually pretty funny (laughs) but and then i played a little bit of bs zelda which is the super nes remake Mm -hmm. that is terrible i've never played it i've seen video of it and it, it didn't blow my skirt up so it's like kind of a third quest where they redesigned all the dungeons again except this time they're way easier it's like super simplified like Walk to a dead end, get a key, walk the other way, get to the door. Well, by this time, they had also done A Link to the Past, and the games had already started taking that route of, you know, enter the dungeon, get the item, use this item to kill the boss. It's so weird, though, playing a remake of Zelda 1, though, that, like, misses the entire point of the game. Yeah. Like, you turn... So, on the first screen, I go to move, and, like, nothing happens. I'm like, oh, is my controller not properly hooked up? It automatically walks you into the first cave to get the sword. Wow. Oh. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this is off to a great start already. 
So I did the first dungeon. I realized like they changed it, and made it way easier. I'm like, oh well, I'm not really interested in playing this anymore. And then John tells me, oh, did you look at the world map? So I go look up an image of the world map, and it's half the size of the original game. That that might be for you know like the amount of data that could be transmitted over satellite at that time. Yeah, but it's also very much like it could have just been sort of the pussification of what Nintendo games would come to be today as well. And given the dungeon, it definitely seemed like the pussification where yeah. they just took the center of the map and made that like the whole game, and then really truncated like the two sides to the east and west. Ew. So like the map went from like sixteen by eight to eight by eight, just totally. Crunched just, ar- it. just arbitrarily. Yeah. It just seems like, wow, you made it, the game even easier. Like, I don't know, it just seemed really silly to... It takes remake. out all of the the world exploration, you know? Yeah. Just, like, walking around and finding shit in that world, it, 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 felt, it, it felt great at the time. Yeah. And it's just too bad that, like, a remake missed the point of the original so much. But given where Nintendo is at these days, yeah. it's not surprising either. Yeah. So, after playing Legend of Zelda, I decided to do the next logical thing and play Zelda 2. Hey, I remember. That's a great game, isn't it, John? Yes. It has a lot of verbs in it. It does. Like, jump. Can't do that in the first one. <laughs> can't do that in the first one. <laughs> you can't duck in the first one either. No. 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 You can also so, jumping slash in Zelda 2. Oh man, you're combining verbs now. Combo verbs. I know. Oh, That's damn. how games work, buddy. Whew, game designer here. So. You're not a big fan of Zelda 2. Every time I've tried to play this game in the past, I immediately hated it. Like, within 10 minutes, hated it. Like, fuck this, this is terrible. And that's pretty much what happened this time. I gave it a little bit more time. Like, really, try. I really tried to give this game a shot. Like, I was going to the towns, writing down what the people say, find the items. I did the first two dungeons, which took fucking forever, because when you die, you go back to the palace at the start of the game. Yep. And which is your a XP. Shit. Which is, like, total bullshit. <laughs> and I just, I just can't love that game. It's just no good. It, it's, I think that... That game has a lot of struggles, not just because it's so different than the first game. I think that it definitely, mm-hmm. like, if you got into Zelda 2 because of everything you loved about the first Zelda game and that stuff isn't there, that's definitely yeah. a problem. But I think that Zelda 2 is hard in a way that platformers were hard back then and that there's just, like, a lot of random bullshit. Yeah. You get yeah. knocked off into pits a lot. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You slide back. It's not quite Castlevania, but when you have been working for like half an hour and you've masked up this XP and you're you're trying to play it safe because you want to get up to the next <laughs> magic level or whatever, and then a, an Octo Rock chunks you back off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like there, then you just coffee table flip the whole NES. <laughs> there's yeah. no there's no patterns to the enemies or anything. It's just there's a lot of randomness. It that, all just happens. Yeah, yeah. And I, I and there's random though. or semi random encounters. <laughs> yeah. As you can avoid them, but you gotta get lucky. Gets, it is the game that introduced magic to the series. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's the game that introduced magic to the series. So, 
You gotta give it some credit. I mean, yeah, I can give it credit for introducing things to the series, but just the way it feels as a side-scroller, I don't even think is any good. Yeah, the jumping and just the way that, you know, like you have this weird momentum. Yeah, it's... It's really springy. Yeah. 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 And, like, what are the... The, the, the orange guys, like, Dark Nuts or whatever? Dark Nuts and, yeah. Those so just guys. fighting those guys just doesn't really feel good. No. Because you're just kind of spamming up and down really quickly and just hoping to land a hit somehow. What I do with them, and this works against all variations, is that I jump and then I attack just as I'm about to hit the ground and you'll always hit them. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're just, it does seem... Because I know about the Shadow Link thing where you beat the last boss, just duck in the corner. Yeah. That's that's pretty much... Yeah, the, the jumping hit is pretty much the spam... The jumping swing in TMNT 2, the arcade game. Uh, You'll yeah. just get so sick of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> At least until you get the downward strike for some things. Yeah. It's funny, too, because I actually liked the combat in the first game for as simple as it was. Like, it felt like they did cool things with the enemy variety. Yeah. With a really they limited. Sure what it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one thing I forgot to mention about the first game is how John last week was talking about hunters and how each room has full enemies when you go in and then you kill all of them and you got that downtime so zelda is very similar where you'll walk into a room and there's like seven dudes and then you kill them and have some space to breathe yeah but then zelda 2 is just a side scroller and it has these incredibly long rooms with like two enemies in them oh yeah so it's just like the dungeon complexity seems dramatically reduced now because the scale is so much bigger where it's just like walk down this really long hallway, kill two dark nuts and get a key at the end and then turn around. Yeah. And then adding on top of that, that when you game over, you don't even start at the top of the dungeon. You just start in the fucking start of the game. And then you yeah. have to get back there and yeah. deal with whatever random shit the game throws at you in that yeah. space. Death Mountain for the ninth time. Oh, oh God. I didn't even get to death mountain. I was just like, I know what's coming up next. So I'm not having fun with this. It's not that hard in itself, but then when you have to do it over and over again, just to wade through the swamp. But it's that it throws so much shit at you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not like... I still think that it's a good game, and I liked it. Because I know we talked about it at length when John played it last. And I still think that it's alright. But I would still very much rather play the first game. Yeah. It def yeah, um a link to the past definitely feels more like a sequel to The Legend of Zelda than Zelda yeah. 2. Yeah. The one other thing about Zelda 2 that really was strange was the experience system just seems out of place where like money was so important in the first game and then there's no money in Zelda 2. No. You've got this experience system and it seems like really shoved in there because you literally are grabbing bags to say pee on them and then getting experience. Like, isn't that supposed to be a bag of money or whatever? I, that's really I, it's weird. It's a really weird, it's a, it was a really weird direction for them to take. I think yeah. that they thought maybe it was adding a level of complexity or depth, but it yeah. just felt more tedious to me than anything. Yeah, yeah they were, you can tell they were trying to do something different, but it just kind of fell. It feels there, like they played Dragon Quest. Yeah. There are odd ways to game that system, too, like choosing not to put the jewel into the 
temple until yeah. you're going to a level that's um, you know much more experienced than you would want to uh, spend an hour and a half uh, getting the normal way of killing enemies. Yeah. It's it's uh, like choosing not to level your Pokemon. That kind of weird backwards <laughs> logic of like how to play the game uh, most efficiently. It's like do the thing that doesn't seem to come naturally. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. I just finished the dungeons without even thinking. Oh, I could grind for experience there because that's fun. It, in fact, if instead of playing the game, you should just watch uh, John <laughs> DZ play the game and power game through it. It's on YouTube, I believe. Yeah, I might do that. Because it does look at it, like it has some interesting stuff in there as far as like the platforming goes, but I just don't like how it plays. Yeah. But I think it would have been interesting that if instead of experience they had just made that money and made it so you had to go to town to like buy equipment that was just the same as the levels. Like buy a new tunic and now you've got plus one health or buy a new sword. Now you do double damage. Like they could have had that system in there but made it closer to... You guys know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I yeah. totally agree. I agree. If with the you. experience was money instead, and then have you not lose all of it when you game over? Yeah. Like, I just don't know how that game got through playtesting without people being like, "Yo, this is kind of fucked." Nobody. Well, who's gonna tell Miyamoto no? Ah, uh, but even at that Miyamoto point, well, the original Zelda almost didn't get through the way it is. And Miyamoto was like, "No, because people are gonna talk to each other about it." Just yeah. leave it. Or so maybe Nintendo Miyamoto Power. had the same thought. Oh, but the first game is so much easier. It's like not even... second game is magnitudes harder, though. Yeah. Just because of the combat. And the first game doesn't start you on the first tile every time you die. Yeah. It starts you at the beginning of the dungeons. Like, even if the second game had put you in the towns when you died, that would have been far better. Than throwing you at the palace every yeah. time. And not taking away all of your experience. Yeah, that's yeah. that's just way it, too It's just harsh. kicking you when you're down. Yeah. And just the way the experience adds this grinding element to a game that really doesn't seem like it needs it whatsoever. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, like, are there even heart pieces in that? I guess there are. Um, no, I think you, you just get, get the experience and up. you have the option to level up your health. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so weird. No, you, really... you, you do get heart containers. Yeah, I thought I found one. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. But it's not the only way. Hmm. It just seems weird after, you know, tunics and upgraded swords in the first game. Yeah. You know, a, like, a ROM hack that I want to see for Zelda 2, kind of like how they did um, Castlevania 2 Redacted. Yeah. Um, game's exactly the same. But where you died last time, you can do a soul retrieval and get your experience <laughs> back. There you go. Sign me up. <laughs> That'd be interesting. And take so, out the lot. And take out the live system. Yeah. Yeah. But then, where do you start when you die? If it's only one life or infinite lives, start of the dungeon. <laughs> yeah. Because in the current game, when you die, you start like in the room you were at, right? Well, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do a soul retrieval system, you don't want to just be placed right by it. <laughs> I just think <clears throat> that game is hard to fix. How about we add bonfires? <laughs> yes, and invasions, and with invasions the, with the Nintendo modem. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you want to talk to me about Zelda Two with invasions, I can get on board because that sounds funny. Yeah. <laughs> You're about to kill the boss. Somebody runs up behind you and 
fucking jump slashes you. You're like, that would be great. <laughs> that would be pretty great. <laughs> so after being fairly disappointed with Zelda 2, I don't think I'm going to give that game another shot again. Uh, I think you I, gave it a fair shot. I gave it a fair shot. It wasn't that it was too hard, but it was annoying just being restarted constantly. Yeah. It's like, I could just save state at safe places, but I don't know. That just felt like, what's the point then? Yeah. If I'm playing a hard game and cheating. Yeah. You got through two dungeons. That's more than a lot of people can say. And then I read that Death Martin was next. I'm like, oh, done. <laughs> <laughs> so... After being fairly let down by that, I decided to play a game that I've been meaning to get to for a very, very long time, and that is Link's Awakening on the Game Boy. A good choice. And that is a really damn good game. Yes. I am really goddamn impressed by what they did on the Game Boy. It's it's such like like you could even consider that the true sequel to the Legend of Zelda. Really, if you instead, yeah. of, instead of jumping straight to a link to the past, jump to Link's Awakening. I kind of tried to go into it with the mindset of this being the sequel to the first game, but there's so many things from Link to the Past in there that you can't really dissociate them. It's definitely the sequel to Link's or Link uh, to the Past. Yeah, like just. It's- it's yeah. really charming, though. It's very charming and cute. But, like, mechanically, like, the multi-layer stuff, like, where you're jumping off ledges and stuff, like, doesn't exist at all in the original game. And it's, I think it would be kind of confusing to go into this without having played Link to the Past. I don't, I don't think uh, so. No. I don't think so, but... Or just maybe from a game design standpoint, just, like, knowing the shorthand and how they're kind of adapting a bigger game into the Game Boy... I don't know. I, I guess maybe it, I knowing how a Link to the Past plays is what you yeah. need. But I don't think you necessarily have to play a Link to the Past prior to playing it Link's Awakening. Yeah. But the it, one it thing... It feels like a streamlined version. Yeah. Yeah. There's some things in Link to the Past that are kind of superfluous. The The dashing just kind of like, I fail to see the point half the time. It's just like, here's another thing you can do. Well, the dashing is still in Link's Awakening, though. Well, right, but it's it seems like a little it's it's a little at a bit of a faster clip. It's kind of not, and the maps are smaller too, so that that helps a little bit. Yeah. Of course, the screen, the screen is much smaller, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's really interesting to see just every pixel in that game is maximized because they've got very little space to work with, but they're doing they do an amazing job just cramming. Like those dungeon layouts into screen by screen. Yeah, stuff. they had they had to really like the art direction and yeah. planning and planning those dungeons. They had to be very smart and knowledgeable of that hardware yeah. in order to make them work the way they do. And just getting them to fit on the screen the way they do. Like yeah. there's some dungeons that have like a layer and then a downward slope, then another layer and a downward slope, and then a third layer. And it's just like you're doing like these multi tier dungeons with like l- jumps and ladders and it's all on one screen and it's just like geez it's very impressive and doing that with like no actual smooth scrolling at all is crazy but coming off of zelda one my god this game is linear as hell oh yeah yeah it's that was really jarring just how forcefully by the hand it takes you especially for the first couple hours like the owl will just not let you go and it 
it does some really weird things where like when you touch a boulder before you have the gloves or the power bracelet every single time it's like oh doesn't look like you can lift this with your bare hands maybe there's something you could get that would allow you to throw this oh, like jeez and the text is that. really slow oh like, yeah you're being punished for running into a fucking boulder <laughs> and it does that until you get the power bracelet, but then there's this other like type of crystal that you can dash through, and even after you have the dash boots, if you walk up to them, it'll give you this message like, oh, this looks pretty fragile. I wonder if there's a way you could break it, and the text is so slow. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of little things that kind of drag the experience down with this. Like, You have to be switching items constantly. Yeah. Or else it's... you'll get those messages, and you have to sit through them. Yeah. It's just like, correct me if I'm wrong, but in links in Link to the Past, to pick up a rock, didn't you just press against it and then tap the button? Yeah. Yeah. In this, you have to equip the power bracelet. And yeah, then, and then, and then press, you have to press the button. And then press, like, away from it to hoist it and pick it up. And then instead of double tapping to sprint, you have to equip the boots and press the button to sprint. And it's just like you're going into the menu so, so often... It really gets old. And it's especially with the way the world map is designed to have all these choke points that require you to get by them with certain items. Like there's boulders, especially near the start of the game, there's just boulders everywhere. So you have to have the gloves equipped. I keep saying gloves, the power bracelet. (laughs) And then it's the same sentiment across. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like this one running jump. So you have to pause and make sure you have the two items equipped out of the two slots that you have. Like, there's times where you take off the sword to make a running jump, because run and jump are different items. So it does seem like... I don't know if if it was because of the Game Boy hardware, but... Like, if they had had the automatic jump from Ocarina of Time, that would have been really nice. Like, if you could just double tap towards an edge and then jump automatically. Yeah. That's That's not a cue they got into Ocarina, though. Yeah. And that was just because they weren't sure of how to do jumping in 3D yeah. with that kind of game. But even then, just having the dash be a button instead of a double tap and the power bracelets being an item. Because even, even the then first... with Ocarina, there's a lot of switching to the item menu. Yeah. At least the item menu in this is a lot faster. Yeah, it doesn't like yeah. scroll down really slow. <laughs> The scrolling menus in Ocarina Majora are really bad. Yeah. That's why I love Ocarina of Time 3D. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not having to go into the menu every time you need the iron boots. It's is... much more elegant, right, John? <laughs> yeah, very elegant, John. <laughs> yes, elegant. <laughs> That's a word. <laughs> That's an adjective. You are correct. <laughs> So I mentioned earlier how in the first Zelda game, you can find a lot of the dungeons really early on. Mm-hmm. That's kind of not something you can do in Link's Awakening because no. it really forces you to go through them in this one order. Yeah. And I think that's kind of why the game has to be so guided is because you're basically pixel searching for this one tile in this big world. And if you don't know where it is, you're not going to have a good time. No. So there was this one part where, like, Dungeon 6, I think... I just couldn't friggin' find it, so I had to look up a guide. And it's like this tiny little island with two statues on it, and you walk up, you like swim out to it, touch the statue, and then there's stairs underneath it, and that's the dungeon. (laughs) 
So for some reason, I kept walking by that island and seeing it and just having in my head that I had already checked there, didn't need to check it again. So it's just a difficulty with designing a game that is so big. Yeah. That if you're requiring a, the player to find this one tiny little spot, there's a good chance they're not going to find it when you want. But Zelda 1 kind of sidesteps that by letting you find it any time in the game because in Link's Awakening... It wants you to find it at this one time, and you can't before then. Yeah. So it's just much more harder. Unfortunate there. But, yeah, that's a really damn good game. And I comp- complained about the feel of the combat in Zelda 2. Like, mm-hmm. hitting enemies just didn't feel good. And then you get the sword in Link's Awakening, and holy shit, that's one hell of a sword sound effect. Yeah. Like just hitting enemies and the crunchy sound they make when you <sighs> knock them back. Yeah, it's really smashing satisfying. bosses. Yeah. It's the, the most satisfying combat in one of those games, mm-hmm. maybe. And, so uh, I, I, I just want to mention one thing. Um, so a callback to the uh, grumble grumble guy from Zelda One that you have to give meat. Yeah. So in in Zelda um, in Link's Awakening, there's the um, the hermit on the mountain who asks you for vittles. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I got. And that when I when accident. I played this game when I was twelve two years ago, um, I didn't know what that word meant. <laughs> so I didn't know what the hell I was supposed to do. I mean, I guess I could have not been a dumbass and gotten a dictionary or something. But yeah, twelve year olds don't think. Link's Awakening taught me a new word. <laughs> Vittles. Yeah, I. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I need to get an item that says Vittles and come back here. Right, right. And then I think I just ran... everything else is called such nonsensical things. <laughs> Octoroks, Tectites, Levers 2. Vittles. <laughs> I think I just talked to him when I had the honey equipped, and it's like, oh, that works. Okay. That's a Vittle. Yep, <laughs> sure. Uh, last thing I'll talk about Link's Awakening is the story. And John here was really telling me about how good the story in Link's Awakening is. And yeah. He was right, like, I mean, spoilers. It's, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Spoilers, the game takes place in a dream. Yeah. And they're not hiding that. No. Like, you know, like, halfway through that you're in a dream and the world will end when you wake up the dr- the windfish. Yeah. So it's like this ineffability that you know is coming, and even then, it hits you pretty hard when you actually do it. Because there's this one song, The Ballad of the Windfish, like, you can play it on the ocarina, and the girl will sing it. Mm-hmm. And then every time you clear a dungeon, you get a little bit more of the song. So it's like this one big through line through the game that's building and building. And then at the end, you play the song for the windfish, and he wakes up. Or you you crack the egg, and then the final boss. And then it plays the end. Yeah, It plays the song again at the end when you beat the game, and you see the island being destroyed. And it's, it's a really effective ending. I was yeah. really sad. Very well done. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, like... That was really moving. Yeah. And the funny thing is that I played uh, Link's Awakening DX, which is the Game Boy Color remake. Oh. Because, I mean, why wouldn't why you Why wouldn't play? you? Yeah. yeah. Why not? <laughs> but for the most part, like, the color stuff didn't seem that important because, uh, like, they're limited to how the tiles were set up originally. So there's a lot of the kind of weird clipping issues where a rock will have a couple stray pixels by the corners that aren't actually the same color as the ground next to it. Yeah. Because it's all very square-based. Yeah. So the whole game kind of had this weird look, like, because the tiles were not all consistent with each other. 
But then you go into the very end and you meet the windfish, and the color in that room is so perfectly done. It's, like, incredible looking. It's like they redid that one portion or something. I'm pretty sure they did. It looks so good compared to everything else. Yeah. It's like Wizard of Oz opening the door at the end into Oz and it goes from black and white to color. Like, it was so dramatic. Like, holy shit, that looks good. Yeah. Cool way to start the ending sequence. Definitely. So yeah, that game is really goddamn good and got some competition for my end of the year lists now. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. So, definitely, if you got a chance, you know, you've got no reason to not give Link's Awakening a go. You know, if you've avoided it for any reason up until now... Definitely. I kind of always dismissed it because it was a Game Boy game, but it but does not get... But it's definitely one of the better Zelda games. Yeah, it's I one think. of the better Zelda games, and the fact that it's on the Game Boy like does not hold it back at all. Yeah. So have you played anything not Zelda-related for people, <sighs> for people who are listening to this <laughs> podcast who may be sick and fucking tired of Legend of Zelda? Well, we could talk about Majora's Mask some more if you wanted. Oh, wait, what's this? This is a little button that press hang-up call? What's oh, End call. You can't hang up on me. We're in the same room in Florida. Oh, that's right. I oh, keep yeah. forgetting. I keep forgetting that we're all at John's place. Yep. John's I have alcohol in my house now because I can buy it legally. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy it, but you can't drink it. Right. Because of wheat and beer. Yes. <laughs> so what else have you been doing, Rhett? So after my little Zelda marathon, I decided to go play some modern games. You know, see what's doing on the modern big AAA publisher side. So I decided to play Shovel Knight. Hey, that's a AAA <laughs> game, right? Yeah, I think so. Need so a beast a... <laughs> of a computer to run that thing, right? Oh, yeah. Or a Nintendo 3DS. Wait, yeah. wait do we rate games by the same uh, ratings as cup sizes? <laughs> <laughs> Would no a AAA be to... a smaller game? No one's going to get that. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> that po- That discussion wasn't part of the podcast. That discussion wasn't part of the podcast. So for those who don't know, we were talking about <laughs> Rhett's dick size to begin with. <laughs> And um, and Raquel told us that the smallest bra size one could get is triple A. So we said that Rhett's dick was a triple A. Yeah, boobs like, work like batteries. Just so you know. Yeah. And if you like them, it's tingly. of that for like random times why isn't there a soundboard yet <laughs> because because Rhett would rage quit if you just spammed big round sword big round big sword, round sword. Uh. so you played Shovel Knight finally yes actually I didn't decide to play this game it was a gift from Raquel Aww. that was very sweet of you well, uh You've heard Polly talk about it so many times. Yeah. But it's definitely one of the best games of 2014. And for people who don't know, which is almost everyone, Red's given me like two games on Steam. Oh, that was nothing. <laughs> that was nothing. That was nothing. That was nothing. So just returning that little favor. Mm-hmm. Contact so, me uh, for your free copy of Bad Rats. <laughs> 
How many users does Steam have? 10 million? Yeah. So 10 million times 24 cents. Uh, you got some spending to do. Uh, I would do it. <laughs> it's worth it. Well, I would, and I would actually fund Bad Rats too. That's what I'm wondering. That game goes on sale so goddamn often. When are they going to make Bad Rats 2? It's like, and I've got to wonder if like I'm the only one buying it. No, you're not. Like, I see people on NeoGAF post about it all the time. Like, oh, sale, Bad Rats, go, go, go. Wow. Like, it's a joke to just send to people. I thought that was my thing. NeoGAF, no. step the fuck off. No, you got to go back to Flora's Fruit Farm. <laughs> yeah, I will. Have any of y'all played Flora's Fruit Farm? <laughs> no, but I've bought it for enough people. Kaz actually beat it. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. One of the people who made Bad Rats just have, like, they just have something dedicated to every time Polly buys the game for people. That wouldn't surprise me. It should they, be. Know, they know what they're doing with those sales now. Yeah, they They, they, they don't know. put the game on for 24 cents without thinking, oh, somebody's going to buy this as a joke. Yeah. Yeah. So Shovel Knight. <laughs> Shovel Knight. How do you feel about Shovel Knight? That game... It's really damn good. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's just extremely well designed. Like, the level designs are just so good. Like, it, they're not too long, but they're long enough. They're meaty. They, they're meaty, and they introduce gimmicks at a good pace, and they don't repeat gimmicks. Like, there's this one section that I died a bunch of times on, so I had to really learn the section. Just, like, the pacing of this one section is so good where it's like... They show you this ball of goo that you can push onto lava. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, I don't remember exactly how it goes now, but the, like, then you push it onto a platform, and then you do another thing. So it's like this puzzle that goes by really quickly, where it's like a one-step thing, then a two-step thing, then a three-step thing. Yeah, they thing. keep building on it every yeah. time you encounter it. And they don't repeat it ever. So yeah. by the end, it's like you push the thing onto a platform, then it falls down, then you jump on that, and then you knock one over onto the second platform and jump on that, bounce up onto the moving platform. It's just really cool, like this arc of exploring this one mechanic in like two minutes, and then you move on to something else. Yeah, the thing I like about that game and the way it uses gimmicks is that like the the, the gimmicks they don't ever like outweigh the fundamentals of the game because you're yeah. still going to be fighting normal enemies and doing your pogo stick thing uh, or using your magic to to destroy certain enemies but the gimmicks never take the place of that it's often that they find a way to integrate the fundamentals into the gimmicks yeah a lot of it's like hitting things around with your main attack yeah. like the shovel swipe yeah so uh one thing that kind of drives me nuts about that game, though, is that it does not try whatsoever to really look like an NES game. No, not at all. Like, But people will still call it that because it's close enough, I guess. I don't even think that it's close enough. I mean, the, the, the amount I, of color that game uses and the amount of frames of animation, yeah. the, the size of the sprites. There's no way I don't think anybody's confusing this for an NES game. I, yeah. I highly doubt, or I think you highly overestimate forum goers. Well, I like, think that in terms of anything that is quote-unquote retro, people are goddamned idiots about it, and I've already accepted that. Yeah. So it's I, I just like, don't... If you ever want to start a flame war on a forum, just be like, oh, X game looks like an NES game, or like some other out-of-genre 
Like Scott Pilgrim looks like an eight bit game. Yeah, stuff like that. Like people who actually were alive for those genre, those not genres, but those eras. We get all bent out of shape when like, oh, press space to win looks like a SNES game. Like no, no it doesn't. Doesn't. It looks like an Atari game, you idiot. <laughs> Well, going back to the Scott Pilgrim one, I heard someone say that, and they were standing in the same room as oh, me God. while that was on TV. How did you not punch oh. them? <sighs> you know what? I'm going to retroactively go punch that person. It's just like, you know what? Remember? It's, it's, it's couldn't let it go. <laughs> I hope Boy, John, you really I didn't did. know you. John, you're so violent. It's because I'm mad about Wheat and Gone Girl and... <laughs> They were selling pretzels in the movie theater when I went to see Gone Girl, and I got so mad I couldn't have one. <laughs> I can't go to baseball games either just because of that. And you're mad about all the drinking you can't do. I can I can drink vodka. <laughs> that, that doesn't have weed in it, right? Why don't you find it's just out? pretty much pure alcohol. <laughs> John can't have cognac. He has celiac. <laughs> uh. <laughs> We're done. We're done here. End of the podcast. So, wait, Fuck wait. It. So, so is celiac a, a really big fan of the R and B singer Seal? You see, that was going to be my joke to introduce John um, this week. Uh-huh. And now I can't. So I will just save it and hope nobody remembers. He's just going to message us. I hate you guys. Why would John do that? Why would John message you? Yeah, why would you message why us? Why would I message you? I'm talking He's right, right now. Yeah, you're like right here in your house with us. I was going to order pizza, but I couldn't find any gluten-free <laughs> options. So Shovel Knight's pretty awesome. Yeah. I like it. But just the graphics and music are so weird. <laughs> I like how you guys go on the, like this five-minute tangent, and I'm just sitting here waiting to go back to talking about video games. <laughs> <laughs> so the graphics are weird because to like most uninformed people, they would be like, oh, it's an NES game. And for me, it's just like, what style is this? This looks so weird. Where it's like it's using very limited colors and kind of limiting the palette, but still going so far beyond what a 8-bit system could actually do. Right. Yeah. So it's just got this really weird look of, like, everything is a solid color with a little bit of shading. So it's super colorful, but, like, not diversely colorful in certain things. Yeah, it's like, you know that they could do, like, they could make it look even better. Yeah. But they're intentionally holding back because they still, like, want... They still want that retro But it's such a weird retro-ish feel for me where, I don't know. And then... Especially, like, coming off Zelda 2, playing a bit of that, and then seeing the town in Shovel Knight. It's just like, well, now you guys are just fucking showing off. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Even as you, far as uh, NES games go, Zelda 2 is kind of ugly yeah. <laughs> in its sprite work. But just, like, Shovel Knight will have, like, a ton of villagers walking all on the same plane. And it's just like, well, you couldn't do that without Flicker or Slowdown. You're just, you're just lying now. Yeah. But you know, the whole thing Shovel Knight reminds me of in NES in any way is the platforming kind of reminds me of Mega Man. Well, yeah. But not not a, not a whole lot. It just seems like that's where they were kind of drawing inspiration from. I think they draw oh. inspiration for like how their screens and stages are laid out. 
this whole game is Mega Man all over it. Yeah. Yeah. It for 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 you know like when it was being kickstarted, I was just kind of against it because it was like, oh look, they're doing Mega Man. Whoopity do. Well, they're doing Mega Man and Ducktales. Yeah. People thought this was going to be a lot more like Ducktales than it ended up being. Yeah. Because Pogo. Yeah. And then the music is like Famitracker stuff, but. But used, really fucking progressive, and it uses the VRC6 chip. Yeah, which never came out in the West, so it's like, it's nostalgia for something you shouldn't actually have nostalgia for. Right, right. And then it has the sound effects all on top of that, which is, again, you're cheating. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, <laughs> like, like I think it's funny that you can actually, uh, like in Mega Man 9 and 10, you can actually turn on oh. Flickr, and you can actually turn on a version of the music to where certain sound effects will mute certain channels of audio. Oh. Oh, well, that's know. why that's why the <laughs> Fallen's only used like two channels to do all of the music, so you could free up the rest for sound effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fallen usually only used a noise channel, one triangle channel, and one square channel. That's so crazy. But if you don't do that stuff right, you get stuff like Cheetah Men, where yeah, <laughs> the entire music soundtrack stops as soon as the sound effect. As plays. soon as you do a fucking sound effect. Do 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 do. Yeah, <laughs> the entire soundtrack stops. It's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, as far as graphics and music go, like Shovel Knight is not eight bit. It's like not even sixteen bit. No, because it looks really, really damn good. It's caught. Let's call it twenty four bit. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> because it's not quite what they were doing on uh, PlayStation Two yeah. games, but it's not sixteen bit either. Uh, it's so, so weird Let's, let's call though. it a Turbo Duo. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think, like, 16-bit stuff was, like, about shoving as much color yeah. variety into each sprite as you could, and this doesn't really do that. Like, no. the sprites themselves are still pretty limited in their color palette, but there's just a ton of them on screen at once. It's, it's really it's, weird. It's yeah. an interesting graphical choice if you understand the limitations of yeah. what they were trying to mimic. Yeah. Like, it's just for me... me to me, I just took it as, this is really good sprite art. I'm enjoying what this game looks like. Yeah. Maybe I would have liked the art more if they had moved away from the NES stuff quite as yeah. much. Because, like you said, the art is really good. Like, there's that, the potion lady. Is yeah. so cute. Oh, <laughs> really she is cute. adorable. She's my waifu. <laughs> it's just like, I played Jet Gunner and uh, Oni Ken earlier this and year. And those games tried to stick very, very close. Those games, yeah are Choo-choo. all about authenticity. Like, they're 4-3. They might have slowdown and flicker. <laughs> yeah. Like, but the gameplay of Shovel Knight is still very NES-inspired, like, especially Mega Man, where it's really about your jump and your attack, and you get power-ups, but they're not essential. Yeah. But one thing, I feel kind of let down by Shovel, Shovel Knight's New Game Plus mode. Yeah... It's, it's, you start the game with everything you already have. Yeah. And it's harder, but you're already prepared for the game to be harder. It's not even really harder. It's just like you take double damage and there's less checkpoints. Yeah. And I think there's less food, but that's about it. I don't think there's any food. Oh, there might not be under the silver platters. Yeah, under the platters. I don't think there's any food at all. I think they're all bombs. I think I did find a carrot and some treasure, 
That's right, about it. Right. But <laughs> just compared to, again, Oniken and uh, Jet Gunner, those games had hard mode that went so far beyond. Oh, God. It was not even worth trying. Those games hard mode, I forget which is which, but for in general, they were like, take double damage, and you have three lives, and you have zero continues, and, and, and. There's, like... Yeah. They went so far beyond into, like, impossible levels that's kind of funny to see Shovel Knight barely ramp up at all in comparison. Yeah. And the one thing I'm really let down by, I mean, it's a great game, but it feels like there could have been so much more because the mechanics are so tight. And I think the one mistake they made with New Game Plus is having all the magic spells be optional. Yeah. It's because if you designed a second playthrough... Assuming the player had all of those, especially, like, the air dash. Yeah. Like, you could do so much crazier stuff with the the level design that they don't do in the main game. Yeah. I think, like, overall, the game's difficulty sort is a bit of a letdown. Uh, like, the magic is really overpowered. Re- yeah. If I mean, if there was one thing I would have added to New Game Plus as it is, like, make magic cost twice as much. Yeah. Like... It's like you can like wreck most bosses in that game by just flinging fireballs, and it's so yeah. cheap. It's so cheap and inexpensive to do. Um, yeah, I didn't even use that armor. There's that purple armor that like yeah. gives you magic back when you kill enemies. I'm like, well, yeah. that's going to break the game, so I'm not going to use it. I like the gold armor because it let me do flips. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I used that for the last. I love how they describe the gold armor too. Yeah, it's it's, it's, like, it's totally it's pointless. Nothing special. It's awesome because if you use the the cannons uh, to fire back and forth, instead of, like, breaking all your bones and falling, you'll land on your feet every time. Oh. Huh. And you'll, like, stand up and do a little pose. Cool. It's really cool. Hey, guys, yeah. did you know that shovel can be a verb and a noun? Wow. Thanks, Sean. Oh, yes. That's the verb of the game. That shovel. is the verb of the game. Shoveling. <laughs> So I played shovel. I'm playing shovel knight with the butt butt mod, <laughs> which is hilarious. Butt butt. Every na- every butt, noun. Butt. Every noun has like, changed to butt. And all the bosses you fight, it's like mole butt <laughs> or polar butt. Butt and butt of the butt. Butt butt of the butt. So are you it's trying to rescue funny. shield butt? Yes, you're trying to yeah. rescue shield butt. Oh. <laughs> Is there a butt knight? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you're butt butt, so... You're butt butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Shovel Knight needs a hard mode DLC, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, redesign the levels, or, like, move the enemies around. Move the enemies like, around, maybe make the bosses react a bit differently. Yeah. Yeah, the bosses are really good. I wouldn't change too much about them. Yeah. I think it's just the magic really kind of yeah, like yeah. Uh, when I was going when I was going through it a second time, I didn't bother using magic on the bosses, um, mm-hmm. and I, I the, those those fights are just really satisfying. The patterns are really fun to learn. Yeah, uh, the enemies choreograph their attacks in a way that it's not too helpful, but uh, it's still enough that you know, like, okay, I know what he's going to do this time. Yeah, yeah. I really like. The fight against Tinker Knight. Tinker Knight is the best. I keep telling. I still have her, to do Tinker Knight. I keep telling her to play this game and fight Tinker Knight because Tinker Everyone Knight is the best. Everyone tweet at me to do Tinker Knight. Tinker Knight's the best. Seriously, 
you will love that fight. I guarantee goddamn. You told it. me I'd end up making a spray of Tinker. You will. Right? He's goddamn. He's fucking awesome. Best fight. Hashtag like Tinkergate 2014. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's the one I picked, and then you were like, "Yes, I told you, Raquel, play, play yeah. Tinker Knight." She needs to. She needs to. She sucks at finishing Cause, games, Because it's the best one. I really do. I'm bad at finishing games. I'll try and finish Double Night before 2014 ends. Good. That is a solemn sucks cast oath. It's on tape now. It's on tape so everyone can yell at me if I don't. Yep. We actually are recording this on uh, quarter-inch reel-to-reel tape in my <laughs> palatial Florida suite. <laughs> <laughs> And not some digital apparatus. Why would we need digital when we've got analog right here? You've got me at the controls. Yeah. Fiddling all your knobs and switches. <laughs> yeah, knobs, faders, switches. You know what's up. I know what's it. I got this shit locked down. So yeah, Shovel Knight's really good. Yeah. I just, I have that feeling after I beat Dark Souls where it's just like... I want to do I this again. I love this game, but I want more. I want yeah. more. I want more, or I, I want to do it again. I'm or... unsatisfied. I want more. Yeah. Because it was so good. It is just top to bottom. <laughs> I mean, that game does not have any point where it lags. It's just a really great uh, execution of design and mechanics yeah. across the board. I really like like uh, the enemies on the map. Yeah, like those side bosses are cool. The side bosses oh, those are, are so fun. They're so really well done. And I like those treasure maps where you are supposed to use one of the magic items. Yeah. So it's like at least those are there, but I wish that was... that was more integrated into yeah. the actual stages. Because like with Mega Man, because I think Mega Man is definitely the number one influence for this game. Where in Mega Man, you always get the items after you beat the boss. Yeah. But in Shovel Knight, they're all optional. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't have that Dr. Wily's t- tower moment of, okay, now to time to put this stuff all to use. Yeah. Like, you don't have to use those in the last level, even though they really help, especially the air dash. Yeah, I guess I guess all of the magic being optional is kind of really what kept them from doing that. But, again, yeah. I wish there would have been a mode or something where, you know, yeah. they, they were required. Yeah. That would have, would have been a good way to balance it. Like, it's fine as it is for the first playthrough being like... Because they want people to beat the game. Most people aren't super into platformers nowadays. Yeah. They yeah. want to make it accessible, but... And then the magic will kind of give people an edge. Yeah. But it compared to other 8-bit games that go so far off the deep end with the difficulty. Oh, yeah. Actually, like, that this does not have a harder mode at all. I mean, New Game Plus is a little bit harder, but what, not really. You take a full circle of damage instead of a half. But I didn't even have to use, like, the liquors the first time. Right. So it's like... Even if I get into trouble, there's still safety nets I don't even haven't even used before. Yeah, yeah, I like I think I only used maybe one or two I cores the whole time. Yeah, <clears throat> I kept fishing up fishes that were yeah. like, oh, I can refill these. I'm like, I don't even need that. <laughs> like, I haven't used any. That Truple King dance though is so <laughs> cute. That is like uh, I found myself going back there and having them do it more than <laughs> just once. Just to see it. Yes, I fucking love that. They're just showing off. Yes, like look what our artists can do. 
It's all in time with the music perfectly and everything. It's like that. And he's just so happy looking. <laughs> yeah. It's, I love everything about that. So that's. We done with Shovel Knight? I think we're done with Shovel Knight. Yeah. I think that that's not the last that this podcast is no. going to hear about Shovel Knight. Uh, but for now, I guess we are finished with Shovel Knight. They went a few episodes without Shovel Knight, so. <laughs> well, don't worry. It'll be appearing again at some point. Not this episode, but uh, episodes but in the again. future. In the future. So, we do this every episode. And I know that people might be used to it by now, but I think that we're the watchdogs here. We're the ones watching out for you, the listeners. So fucking thank us every once in a while, you ungrateful shit fucks. Rhett, I got a question for you. Shoot me. How's the old early access doing? Not very good. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. So there was this game called Paranautical Activity. Mm -hmm. And it was in early access for a while, let's say about a year. You know, doing its thing. I'd heard of it before it came out, or when it was in early access, and didn't really pay much attention to it. But uh, I think Momi played it. When we were probably, because it's, it's some sort of roguelike. Yeah. Not a turn-based one, but, you know, no. first-person shooter. Right. But uh, they finally finished it, and it came out. So it goes up on the front page of Steam, and it says, Early Access Now Available, even though it was supposed to be the finished game. Uh-huh. So the developer of this, the game, was not too pleased with that. Uh-oh. So instead of, you know, emailing Valve and being like, Hey, can you fix the thing to say it's now available, not Early Access anymore? Even though you didn't have any problem selling it as Early Access for the previous year. Right. But, you know... Every minute that it's on the front page again and not saying saying it's early access is losing him sales. So uh, instead of being a rational human being, he goes on Twitter and got kind of angry. Oh, no. Did somebody have a social media meltdown? He, oh, he had a hell of a social media meltdown. There were a bunch of angry tweets like, oh, this is costing me money and fucking Valve. But uh, the reason this is getting attention is because it, he ended it with... I'm going to kill Gabe Newell. He is going to die. That and that doesn't strike me as a very smart thing to do. It's not, not a good business plan. It's not a good business plan to threaten to kill the owner of the company you're doing business with. No, uh, if I were doing bus- if I were doing business with somebody, I would only threaten them with death behind closed doors where nobody could hear me. Not on Twitter. Yeah. It was a good business plan for Steve Ballmer to threaten to kill Google. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Valve, very calmly, said, this developer has threatened the lives of one of our employees. We are no longer working with him and have ceased communications. And they took the game off Steam. So, uh, bye-bye, Paranautical Activity. So, if you want to stand for ethics in games uh, (laughs) retail and digital (laughs) distribution platforms, um, currently Adam Baldwin is standing behind this person. Um, Oh, really? I didn't even... No, I I just made Uh, that up. Um, But it sounds like something that you could tell someone and they'd believe it? Yeah, I was totally... (laughs) I sinker there, like, oh, sure, of course he fucking is. Um... (laughs) I can't believe there are people actually defending this turd. 
I mean, I guess I, I'm saying that I can't believe it, but I can believe it. There, people will defend literally anything. It's just like, how can you say Valve is wrong? It's like, yeah, so what if the death threat wasn't credible? Guess what? You don't get to go around saying in very public places that you're going to kill people. It's just like being professional. Like, you're throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah. It's one thing to be upset that you're losing sales, but to make that statement... Where people can screen cap it and, like, make sure that is a thing that still exists. The funny thing is that this is very likely something that had to do with just DNS propagation and that it hadn't propagated to the main store yet because there were people in Europe that were taking screenshots and showing him, hey, (laughs) it doesn't show his early access here. You might want to you might want to roll that back a little bit. But he just kept on it. And it's like I have no bit of pity or remorse for this turd um i was gonna say that i felt sorry for the guy that was partner his partner that was in it with him but this guy proceeded to go off the deep end as well yeah and just oh no and just claiming that you know valve has a monopoly you know valves they treat everybody unfair because and they can do this because they have a monopoly blah 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 and it's like dude you know how's that working out for them like like how many sales have they got now um I think he said that he got 12 uh, sales on Humble Store. But... I think it was 12 on all others combined. Oh, damn. In a day. Per day, but whatever. But... Game Valve didn't want you to play. (laughs) And and I hope that Valve doesn't renege on this with this guy saying he's quote-unquote left the company. Because, I mean, anybody can say that. I mean, there's no... You know, there's no real proof that you could be like, oh, well, he's still not there. And the, and this guy, you know, the other guy has acted like a big fucking turd, too. So there's really, I don't think there's any point in letting this pass, you know, especially with everything, considering online harassment where it is lately yeah. with that other group of idiots. Um, it's like the worst pot. I mean, it's a horrible thing to say. But it's like extra bad timing to yeah. say it now. To, yeah. to say it now when people have already started, you know, like when you've got more sites coming out and talking about how it's not cool to harass people and it's yeah. not cool to make death threats. You don't come out and then just make and a death threat. Towards somebody everybody loves. Yeah. yeah that's... I, I feel no sympathy for them. Not in the least. You know, you fucking made your bed. You lie in it. You know, I would say, you know, like, if I was Valve... You know, and they came back three or four years later with a different game or something, I would maybe give them a chance. But right now, like, this game, you have to set a precedent. You have to say it's not cool to do shit like this, and I really hope that they don't um, go back and let that game on Steam uh, after all of this yeah. settles. They, they, really, yeah. they, they really squish-catted themselves in this uh, <laughs> yeah. situation. <laughs> it was a good reference that nobody will get, but... I understood that reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, if they let it back on, it just sets a horrible precedent for everybody else. Like, yeah, because when oh. you look at people that have been legitimately harassed via Steam, you know, of course, Zoe Quinn has been harassed via Steam because of having depression caused oh. on there. You know, if if you say that, you know, you're allowed to be this kind of a tit and still have a developer account and still have access to these tools and the distribution, mm-hmm. you know, pipeline that Valve has, it's just a horrible thing to do and they need to stick to their guns on it. Yeah. I saw some stuff, people saying, like, these guys have been jerks for a while. Oh, so. yeah. The, 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 
having looked up a bit of it and seeing how they act towards other people and how they've acted towards not only just customers but other developers, it's just wow. Yeah. These are two <laughs> little shit stains that don't deserve any of the fucking quote unquote success that they have had because they can't you know act like a goddamn human being. Yeah, there was some. This is kind of unconfirmed, but some developer was posting on NeoGAF saying like he had a game in a bundle with them. On I, th- on I think it was Groupies, but it's one of those sites where like there's a live chat and you can talk to people like as they're buying the game, and they were just like in there insulting customers. And the dev of, w- of another game was like, "Hey, if you want to sell these bundles, maybe not call your fans assholes." And yeah, there, there was and another. Got, but then they like harassed him for like a month, like, "Or oh, we're gonna shut you down." I'm like, fuck you! Like, they were not playing nice with there was another instance where they claimed that uh a bundle uh i don't i don't know whether it was humble or groupies they said that didn't pay them um and um the 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 people that have the bundle were like well i'll tell you what we'll make the records fucking public and you can try (laughs) and keep saying that if you keep saying that we're going to take legal action against you you're you're a professional selling a product you're not fucking gg allen i don't understand like (laughs) I I know what you it's <sighs> the the mentality it's like oh yeah we're fuck the man and all this but wow yeah breed no goodwill between your not only the people in the industry who can help you and get your game out there but also the people potentially spending their hard earned money on that for you to just behave like a total scrot yeah. yeah like you are working in a business what you say does matter right and. Like, Especially where everybody can see it and de- has records. I don't want to buy a game from a developer who's going to be like, "Oh well, you're a bitch." Like, <laughs> I don't want to support that person. Right. <clears throat> and it's just, yeah, it's like people were trying to compare this to Phil Fish blowing up, and it's like this is not even close. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is just this that is was- just two people being total fuckwits. Phil Fish is a guy who was blowing up for a lot of legitimate reasons. But people don't see those reasons as legitimate. No, they refuse to see those. It's definitely a thing where when these games are being bait when these games are being made by one or two people, like people are so used to like corporate speak. Yeah. Like PR managers, that's really weird when you're just talking to a normal person and sometimes they get a little pissed off when you call them an asshole. Yeah. And and I think that that's definitely the disconnect that people have in trying to correspond with a lot of indie devs at the time and yeah. why a lot of indie devs are the ones that people see as blowing up a lot is because these are just normal people that have dumped all of their own personal time into a project. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've spent all of this time and money and given of themselves and that, you know, to just come out and be like, well, you're just a fucking asshole. That's a, that takes a whole type of different personal bent than saying that EA is an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think like some of the indies that have done a good job, like Jonathan Blow or Notch, like it's got to be really stressful though, like not fucking up and breaking that yeah, personal I, connection I, like, with your fans. I, I know that I couldn't do it because I've blown up at people uh, <laughs> just on like Tumblr questions and shit. It's just like yeah. I, there's no way I could develop. Like if I were a developer, I would just not talk. <laughs> Especially if you're trying not to, and it just gets, like, 
built. It just bottles up and builds. Yeah, and people just keep hitting you and hitting you and hitting you. Yeah. And that was the case with Phil Fish. And, like, Fish. you're trying so hard not to explode. Yeah, that was the case with Phil Fish, and people just kept hitting and hitting and hitting. It's just like, you So when he did, it's not surprising, because yeah. he was trying so hard not to, and it just kept happening. Like... Yeah. It's just like, you know, like with Phil Fish, it's just like the guy was being dragged into conversations that weren't even about him. It's just like, and it wasn't even just, it wasn't even just people on Twitter doing it. It was like entire articles that are about one thing and then suddenly, and then Phil Fish said this thing eight months ago. And suddenly it's just like, yeah, I'm going to get pissed too if people keep bringing up things that aren't even relating to me, but finding a way to relate them to me. Yeah, it was like... Recently, when John played Hunters, and then he went on Newgrounds and started reading the reviews. Yeah. And then he saw my responses to those reviews. Yeah. That that was so embarrassing, because it was a moment where I lost my cool, and oh, that's still there forever. You had legitimate reason to. But again, it's like, you you can't... You can't take that back. You you can't lose your cool with people, because it'll haunt you forever. I mean, it's lucky for me, because it's just, you know, a free Newgrounds game. Yeah. But if I was selling something on Steam and I like told somebody to fuck off, like that would not be good. <laughs> no, you you would be you know there would be Reddit threads about you oh, almost instantly. Yeah, especially when it's a written document where people can just grab quotes, grab quotes, grab screenshots, will. you know, because like that. Well, dude... it's where people can grab quotes at will and just out of context. Yeah, look Twitter... like something very different from from what he originally meant. Yeah. Twitter is the king of out of context shit. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. But uh getting I back can see to the, the smear thing. campaign now with like the picture of Red that goes to black and white. <laughs> Red called this purchaser of his game an asshole. <laughs> a vote with your wallet is a vote for Red. Don't vote for Red. <laughs> you know, in the world where Red gets paid for games. Oh. Show me oh. the bugs in Hunter's asshole. Show him the bugs, motherfucker. But uh, getting back, I don't think I will. Ki- I am going to kill Gabe Newell. Was taken very out of context. No, that was pretty straight to the point and yeah. on the nose. Uh, Youch. It's just like people gotta realize Twitter is public. Yeah, Twitter is public. Yeah. Um, it's not the best place to have knee jerk reactions. Yeah. yeah, it's not the best place to have discourse, and then it. It's not really a good. It, it place being for the internet and things really being taken any out social of context, site. right? But Twitter, it just like amplifies the just the awfulness of how things can be taken out of context in the internet, especially like like you don't have a big chance to defend yourself because um, you can come out with a public statement, but that's not what people are going to be seeing because they're not going to click on that link to your blog or. Um, this press release, whatever, where you clarified um, the yeah. thing that's getting passed around and re- retweeted and hashtagged um, ad nauseum. Or they're going to read it and just bend it in some insane way. Because you've given the, you've reads, given them Twitter Because context. you're already like, well, I think they're a fucking piece of shit. And so it, clearly when they say this, it's a bunch of lies. And it distributes just like wildfire just because of the nature of um, followers and just how many people are seeing that. And then, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. The whole thing is built around just retweeting a single sentence out of a bigger conversation. Yeah. So it's all out of context and it just spreads and you're just like, wait, you're not getting what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Or I said something horrible and I didn't really think about the ramifications of that. 
Because when you're in the moment and you're just letting out all that pent-up frustration, yeah. you're not really thinking about the, the ramifications of what you say or do. Yeah, which this developer definitely was not. It's not elegant. But it also seems like this was a long... Uh, incident in a long string of these guys being yeah, jerks. Yeah, so, so it's 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 definitely no, you know. They definitely don't know how to conduct themselves in a business sense. Yeah, they just don't know how to conduct themselves as human beings. They just seem like trash to me. So, is that all we have to say about that? Yeah, I think so. So, here here's a weird one. I have something to say about early access. Oh, what is this? Uh, first Stealing of all, my job? it fucking sucks, but uh, my favorite company is sort of, I guess, making up for a bit of a transgression that they've had on Early Access recently. You will remember how much um, my good friends Double Fine... Uh, oh, you're fu- good friends. Them. How much they sort of screwed the pooch with ba- Space Base DF9. Um, and, uh, they're sort of making a bit of a mea culpa with that, as you will, in that, um, if you purchased that game, they're also going to just straight up give you a copy of their new game, uh, Hack and Slash. And if you purchased a, hop- a copy of Hack and Slash, they will be giving you a copy of Space Base DF9, which I think, oh yeah, you know, it doesn't make up for the fact that people aren't going to be getting this big game that was promised, but it does show, I guess, some goodwill towards customers, given... At least they're trying to compensate it's, in it's, some way. You know, like, yeah. goodwill isn't something that I feel Double Fine has a lot of these days. Yeah, they... Um, really? So, for them to, you know, be giving away this relatively cool-looking game... Um, I've got to say, for once, alright, good on them. That's, like, one smart decision... And, you know, under a heaping, helping truckload of shit of bad decisions. <laughs> um, but, yeah, good on them. So, if you bought Space Base DF9, you're getting Hack and Slash. If you bought Hack and Slash, you're getting Space Base DF9. Hooray. I feel that transaction works out better one way than the other. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> what if you had both? Oh, geez, I guess you are boned. Or do you just get gift copies? I- I don't even know how they would handle that. <laughs> maybe, they'll, maybe they'll give everybody costume quest or brutal legend. <laughs> I have to wonder if there's some ulterior, ulterior motive here where they're like, what if we give Space Space DF9 to a bunch of people and then they'll kickstart the game again and we can start working on it again. Or it's just uh, we, can yeah. write, we can write it off. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. The inevitable Psychonauts HD remake that the proceeds of which go toward the rest of Space Base DF9. Uh. No, the rest of that's going to have to be finished uh, to finish Broken Age. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't really feel there's much else you know we can say about that other than you know good on them for making a smart decision. I still don't trust them, um, but I but I will say um, I kind of like what I'm seeing of Massive Chalice. So. I mean, double hearts not double double finds not warming my heart or anything, but I will give them credit where credit is due, and that you know they're making good on something. Yeah. So, moving on from early access, do we have any news? Only one thing matters this week. What's that? 
Valkyria Chronicles is coming to PC. I am very happy because I definitely have wanted to play this game again, and I will definitely have a reason to pick this game up again. So you've played it. You like yes, it? Yes, I love Valkyria Chronicles. I think that game is really well done. Cool. It's 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 uh it's 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 an interesting twist on the strategy genre, which adds some third person shooting bits to it. Um, huh. a um, I, I think that the AI is kind of dumb. Yeah. Um, and I don't like the way that the game handles um ranking because it's all based on speed. So there's like so it's just like. It wants to be focused on tactics, but when the tactics that it rewards most often are find the cheapest and fastest way to do this, hmm. uh, that that sort of it sort of like falls by the wayside. There, uh, I never really played Valkyria Chronicles two or three, so but I know that that first game, even with its faults, is still really good. I like the story. The art style is just fucking gorgeous. Does ranking matter? Um, like I I stopped worrying about it probably five or six chapters uh, in, um, and I was able to complete the game just fine. But you do get better rewards, oh, you know, for those ranks. Um, but, you know, it just sort of like, I think that when you base a strategy game on, you know, completing battles as fast as possible, it sort of limits your options as to what you can do to have the best strategy, because yeah. the best strategy is obviously going to be the fastest, when that's not always the case in strategy games, sometimes playing it slow. And I know that there were a lot of fights in Valkyria Chronicles that I thought were more exciting when and more rewarding when I played them slower and more defensively, um, but... Yeah, I think that I, I think that's really awesome, but it's also just really fucking weird. That yeah, that, so, that that game's coming out because it's like six years old is, or something. It's just about six years old. I think it's November two thousand eight. Yeah, like well, if Jet Set Radio can get a PC port, why not? Yeah, but that already. But that, yeah, that had an HD version on um, the three hundred and sixty and uh, the PS three. Valkyria Chronicles is just like a PS three exclusive. Yeah, they did a bunch of Dreamcast games. Yeah, so, so that makes a, sense. Like they did Sonic Adventure one and two, and uh, Crazy Taxi, and some other stuff. Jets or not? What is it? Space Channel Five Part Two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Valkyria Connells. It's like where's the precedent does, uh, for that? Does Residents of Fate have a PC port? <laughs> no, people are. So there was a big petition in January. People like really trying to push Sega to move some of their games to PC, and. Possibly this is related to that. We'll see. Hopefully it sells well enough for them to consider it some more. It'd be interesting, seeing as they're both uh, strategy-based games. I would be wondering, like, hmm, like why would why would Valkyria Chronicles be easier? Or are they taking, you know, like, okay, people want a strategy game, and this is our most known strategy game? Yeah. Well, I mean, there are the Total War games that... Well, they're bread and butter for Sega. Just, I mean, they're not like the same type of game. That's in the PC I guess they're market. figuring they can get that. <laughs> strategy genre yeah. bullet point in there on the um, store page descriptions. I mean, Sega Japan and Sega West are like, they right. act like separate companies yeah. at this point. Yeah. Where like Sega West just is basically entirely PC. Like they got Total War and uh, what's that other one? The military one? Um, <laughs> it's not Jagged Alliance. No. Why isn't there a Vocaloid strategy game? Oh my god. Oh, God. I, I don't know. I bet there is. So it's Sega West. You've got this clear dividing line of Sega West mostly does PC games, and then Sega of Japan is mostly console, 
And like yeah. you said, at the first of the year, there was a petition uh, to get games released on the PC, and like Vanquish, Valkyria, and other games like that were on it, Resonance of Fate. Mm-hmm. Virtual Fighter. Yeah. So hopefully this is the first one of those, like they're testing the water, like is this worth our time and money to bother porting over a game? Uh- and I, I, I hope it is, uh, because I, I just think that, like, Japan taking more of an interest in uh, the PC is, it can only be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, we got Final Fantasy thirteen out of it. Woo! That's a great thing, right? <laughs> That's probably on my wish list. <laughs> so, and, and then Western is. PSO2, right? Oh, oh yeah. Down the pipe. Definitely. Sega is just inventing things to port now so that they can't port over PSO2. Yeah. We'll see Vanquish before PSO2. I kind of want to see that. If if that means not getting PSO2 just to get a, a PC port of Vanquish. I, I would take yeah. that, honestly. Because I've played PSO2. I've been there. Right. I've done that. Yeah. But, uh... Holly. What's up? If PSO2 ever gets ported onto PC, I will buy it and stream it. Well, it's on PC. It's just it's not released in America. Well, I'm not going to go onto your server to fucking play it. Well, I'm not. No, <laughs> PSO2. PSO2 does not have an English localization. It is a PC game. It has a fan patch. Yeah, it has a fan patch, and that's it. Like I played it mostly in Japanese. Every, every time, every time the game gets a major update, something breaks with the fan patch. Yeah. yeah, or Sega breaks it themselves to the point to where your PC dies entirely. They fucking Sega had a patch mishap that erased people's hard drives. Yeah, and that's when I stopped playing PSO2. That was a very smart decision because we know because this, this would have happened to you. It so close to actually happening to me, except the English patcher that somebody made to distribute the patches and the English patches at the same time that wasn't affected by their glitch. So I was saved by that. Oh. But, like, it was a specific thing where if you had downloaded, like, the pre-update and the update within the first hour or so... You're fucked. ...that the official Sega launcher, when it went to delete the original files, (gasps) just deleted your entire hard drive, basically. Oh, that is so... That's crazy. It's, like, the worst fucking mistake you could make. And this is the company that we love so much. I like Sega, but, man, they have... They're an eccentric company. Oh, yeah. Best. Yeah. Like, how do we live in a world where the only games Sega localizes now are Sonic the Hedgehog and Miku? How is Miku one of those games? Miku, like, they just announced they're bringing all the DLC for the second game over. Again, how like, how is that one of those games? But, yeah, Sega is... I've got to say, though, they look like good rhythm games. I've been tempted. Except the music part. I know. You have to listen to Miku. I know. <laughs> but uh, while I am very happy Valkyria Chronicles is coming to PC, it also bums me out because I just bought this game a month ago. Yeah. But, I mean, so there's, like, nothing, there's nothing wrong with, I with the PS3 version of that game at all. It's just really funny that this is a game that's been on PS3 for six years, and I always wanted to play it, and then I finally get a PS3 at the very end of last year for Christmas, and then I'm finally like, oh, I should pick that up. And I do, and then not a month later, it's coming to PC. Yeah. And it's it's like, like, it works for me because I haven't played the game since I got my PS3. Yeah. Which, that was four years ago. Yeah, plus 
So in addition, this one will be in 1080p instead of 720. It'll run at 60 frames a second instead of 30. Mm. And it has and it has all the DLC included. Mm. And if you go on, what is it, Green Man Gaming right now, they have a coupon. So you can get it for cheaper than the hard disk version is selling for right now. Well, damn. Like, thank you for the heads up. I did not know that. Yeah, it's like 14 bucks on there right now. Shit. It's like, oh, hey, GameStop, how much will you take for my unplayed disc? <laughs> oh, 50 cents? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> now, that game's perfectly acceptable on the PS3, though. And you need a reason to use your PS3 anyway, so. Yeah, I really want to burn out the disc drive. You're not going to burn out the disc drive. <laughs> I play one game on it. And you're going to play The Last of Us as well. Yeah, I guess so. No, and that's not an I guess uprising. so. <laughs> and Hardcore Uprising, you need to buy that so we can play it. Konami needs to put it on sale. They had a freaking Konami sale, and it was the only game they didn't mark down. Oh, for no no fucking... Oh, that's crazy. I was like, you jerks. Wow. They put it in the store bundle. Or It was like Konami sale, and had all the games that were on sale, and then Hardcore and- Uprising is just sitting there 15 bucks like, what? <laughs> and, and you know Red's going to want the Sayuri DLC, too. I don't know what their yeah. DLC prices are now on those. Yeah. For the, for the characters. I think they're still two or three bucks. What, the Segoy DLC? Yeah, <laughs> the Segoy DLC. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, that's that's cool. You know, Valkyria Chronicles coming to PC. More Japanese interest in PC gaming. I still think it can only be a good thing. There Hopefully- are... There are hints that Vanquish is coming next. I would be really happy because I want to play that game again. So, yeah. uh, any more news worth noting? Don't think so. Then it's time for us to move on to Let's Play a Game of How Big is Rhett's Dick? Or emails, one of the two. Got any emails for us, Rhett? Uh, not really. Not really? Are you checking spam? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, if we have no emails... I've got one. You do? Yeah. Well, why don't you go ahead and read it? Have you ever gotten so mad at a game that you broke something? I got so mad uh, at a game once because it didn't work, and then I proceeded to break it. What game uh, was that? I got a copy of uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 for Christmas one year. What? Wait, What? <laughs> You smashed a copy of Metal I, Gear Solid 3? I got a copy of Metal Gear Solid 3 for Christmas one year. <laughs> and uh, it didn't work. Like, it would play the opening cutscene and it would just get stuck on codec uh, conversations. And it was like, you can't play the game without being in the codec. You yeah. know, you've got to take those calls. Uh, and it would also just crash when you went into menus. And, like, there was nothing wrong with this disc. So I took it back the day after... And I got another one, and I brought it back, and it kept doing the same thing. So, so um, it, I, I got I got pissed, and I was just I was just not in a great mood. So <laughs> I took the game uh, out into the front yard. I grabbed a cinder block, and I dropped Jesus. the and I took the cinder block and dropped it on top of the game, smashing it into little itty bitty pieces. And then I did the same thing with the case, and then I took matches and lit it on fire. What the fuck? This was not... Uh, this not the and, story then, and then you called it an asshole on Twitter. I did. And I said that I wished it would die. So, 
logically it sounded like your PS2 was messing up. And it wasn't because I got another really? I, no, I got another copy of uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 a couple months later uh, for dirt cheap and that copy worked just fine. That's really weird. <laughs> yeah. It just sounded like a bad batch of burns or something uh, because huh. that store said that they had had three or four copies of other people having brought them back. Uh, and the time that I brought it back the second time, they wouldn't take it back. <laughs> so Wait, I was, did you bring... Yeah, I brought it back the second time. And when oh, I got and when oh, I got I... home, I was pissed. <laughs> you brought the shards back in the box. <laughs> That's what I thought you meant. No, no. <laughs> she just I taped it back together. It's like I taped this hunk of ashes back together. This is a metal gear. See, you can see Snake right there if you squint really hard. But um But he's in camo, you can't see Snake. Damn it. <laughs> but um they uh, they wouldn't take it back the second time because they had huh. some dumb policy about oh we can't take game back a second time if it's open. I was but like, it's well, exchange. yeah. I was like, well, fuck you. The game is. How am I supposed to open it to see if it's not broken? It's just store policy. And I remember telling that person something to like spoon feed their cunt or something along <laughs> those lines. You've told a fair number of people that. Yeah. yeah. And then I went home and I destroyed the disc entirely and vowed, you know what, fuck it, I'm not going to play this stupid game. And then I got a copy for like 20 bucks a couple months later and played through it just fine. That's crazy. Anybody else get mad enough to break something? Uh, I broke a Dual Shock 2 over Tekken 5. <laughs> Damn. Was it so, like- <laughs> so I got Tekken 5 when it came out and um, yeah, back back when I was nine years old. And <laughs> so I was playing through the game just like at a rapid clip over the weekend, and I was trying to do it with as many characters as possible. I don't think I did it with every single character, like not Jack Five. Fuck him. I I don't like how he plays at all. And but the last boss of that game is such cheap bullshit. So it's it's um it's another Mishima character, but he's really massive. He's got like these crazy lava spikes coming out of him and he moves so stupidly fast and he takes up so much of the screen. He's got this really cheap stomp move that just stuns you constantly. And having gone through this guy, you got to understand this game has like 30 characters or something. Yeah. You gotta do it. Like that's the whole point of a lot of the older Tekken games was to complete it with every character. Cause you unlock even more shit. And I'd, I'd never gotten this angry at games before. Certainly not, like, enough to throw anything, but it just became, like, a reflex reflex action to just hurl that controller straight straight to the floor. And um, so what ended up happening was the little plastic clips. There, I don't know if you've ever opened up a DualShock 2, but uh, the rumble motors are housed in these little plastic housings. They're not very thick, and those things just, like, completely did not stand up to the um, <laughs> the abuse that I doled out. Um, the rest of the controller worked fine, just um, I, I think I tried to epoxy them back together because there was a point in my life where I did, like, I got into a bad run of Sony peripherals from the official, like, I wasn't buying Mad Cats controllers or anything, and they just broke on me, um... I had a gun con too with uh, Time Crisis Two that just through normal play the trigger broke. I had to open that up and epoxy the little lever that actually hits the button when you pull the trigger. But this was totally um, of my own volition of just um, spiking it every time <laughs> I got ate another cheap uh, you know game over to that stupid boss. 
And um, I think that was the last time I really gave two shits about the Tekken series either. Other other than when um, Tekken 2 was on sale um, for the PlayStation Classics on PSN, because, I mean, how can you go wrong with Tekken 2? <laughs> I like Tekken 3 more personally, but... Eh, fair enough. Um, I, I saw a friend completely shatter a copy of Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, there's a, there's a timed section near the end of the game on, I think it's called Pandora? I can't remember. But, um... He failed it, I think, twice in a row, and that section of the game is like, if you fail it, you have to do this entire 20-minute segment all the way over. And, like, as soon as he failed that, the third time, he took that disc (laughs) out of the drive, threw it against his wall, (laughs) took the game case, just spiked it on the floor, discs went (laughs) flying everywhere, it was like confetti party. That's what we call it, like, it's what we sort of, like, me and my friends have sort of called it, like, if you ever destroy a game, we just call it a confetti party now, because that that game and those discs just fucking shattered everywhere. It's like, we were were finding pieces of those discs, like, two months later. All four of them? All four of them. (laughs) He almost, we had to stop him from throwing the disc case because he almost threw it toward his window. I was like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. And he, like, he just had to stop, look at it for a second, and just spiked it on the floor in front of him, and shards just fucking went everywhere. Appropriate reaction to playing Final Fantasy VIII. I would agree. So no more emails? Nope, just that one this time. Well, you know what they can do? They can, uh... What can they do? They can, uh... Send an email off to podcast at socksmakepeoplesexy.net and, and make us talk about really dumb stuff. So, um, We're getting a lot and of, we will. We get a lot of video game questions. Yeah, you can ask not video game questions. You can, you can ask, ask Red Dick questions. Yes, oh, feel free to ask Red Dick questions as well. Um, read those. <laughs> and, uh, and on that note, he's going to um, implement a filter in the email. <laughs> <laughs> Straight spam. Uh, Miss Raquel, I want to thank you for joining us on this episode. I had a lovely time. Why don't you tell the lovely people out there where they can find you and all of that fun stuff? You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr, and no one can spell it, so I'm going to have to spell it. Go for it. R-A-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E-R-E. And that's where you're at on both of those. On both of them, yes. She uses the same username on everything. So. I really do. Uh, John, where can we find you? Uh, I'm Chronomaniac on Twitter. Also, um, if you go to socksmakepeoplesexy.net slash farawaytimes, you can find my games, um, including Bad Ants and uh, my favorite, um, Find Mr. Space Guy. Ah, those are good games. I really suggest everybody check them out. And Rhett, where are we going to be finding you? Uh, you can find me on the Slayers and Socks forums, trolling and waiting for people to uh, enter their top five Generation 5 games. Yes, you need to do that. If you like the N64, PlayStation 1, or Saturn games, you go drop us a list yeah, go of into your that. favorites. Yeah, go into the... Uh the smps.net forums um go there fill out a list yeah. uh, we're gonna be he'll be compiling that i guess towards the end of the year uh, i think i'm gonna do it in january this time because december okay. just got fucking stacked last year and i'm like this is a bad idea if i do this with the podcast as well yeah okay so 
Um, does that? Uh, where else can we find you? I don't know. Twitter. Twitter at yeah. Rhett. Ask him how big his dick is. Yeah. And I'm Polly. You can find me um, just on my forums because I don't do much public anymore. Um, and on that note, we up out this bitch. And remember, we're the podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you. Hey, Rhett. I can't right now. (laughs) Give me some early access. Give me a little early access. You don't mind. Do it it properly. Give me some early access. Hmm? Come over here and give me some early access. (laughs) She just grabbed me by my hips. Just thrust into me. Oh my god. As hard as, as hard as you can. Get 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 him to give you the green light. The steamy green light. <laughs> uh.